Hello and welcome to episode 44 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Hovick. And today's episode is Platforming Paradise. We'll be talking about a whole slew of platform games. Some that are out, some that are coming out, as well as a bunch of things in between. So uh, stay tuned for later in the show where we'll have our hands-on impressions of Donkey Kong Country Returns 3D, Super Metroid for the Wii U Virtual Console, although that's barely a platformer, and Tekken Tag Tournament 2 Wii U Edition, which is not even a platformer. But before we get to all that, we do have platformers. So we're going to be talking a little bit about Sonic Lost World and the details on that. Some new information on Rayman Legends, some new information on Super Luigi, uh, New Super Luigi U, and we'll have a lot on eShop, and we'll have a lot on the Nintendo perspective on Xbox One, and all sorts of other things. So it's a big episode. Uh, if you want to jump to a specific topic, as always, timestamps are available on the site in the blog post for this episode, ramtown.com. But let's get going with the upcoming platformers, I guess. Yes. Yeah, we have a lot to cover. I guess we better go at a quicker pace. Oh, like maybe maybe go fast, like like Sonic does. No, gotta go fast. No, 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 just, no just at a quicker pace. No, we go Sonic speed. We we no one would understand us. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice, uh, nice attempt at a pun without actually making the pun. Anyway, so since you segued it, uh, Sonic Lost World, it's a Nintendo exclusive uh, Sonic game coming to both 3DS and Wii U, as we discussed last episode, where they showed the trailer in Nintendo Direct. And we now have the first real details on the game, based on a, a new trailer that was just released and some information courtesy of IGN. So what the trailer showed, to me at least, is the game looks like a mashup of old-school Sonic, current Sonic, Mario Galaxy, and a bit of Sonic Extreme, which was that uh, old canceled Saturn game where Sonic's running in like an orb-like 3D world, kind of Mario Galaxy style. So it seems like they kind of took that, combined it with current Mario Galaxy, and injected a whole bunch of Sonic into it. And you get Sonic yeah, Lost World. Yeah, full lens made it look kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. It, For better or worse. You mean extreme, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, that was extreme. really strange. It, it, everything looked kind of warped. So they kind of they took that out but left the globe concept. So what we know beyond that is that for Lost World, uh, Sega decided to actually completely reimagine what a 3D Sonic game is. Which in a way is good and is a way, in a way bad because the earlier 3D Sonic games... Like Sonic Adventure was good. Sonic Adventure 2 was good. Then there was like a weird lull with Sonic 2006 on... 360 as a launch title and PS3, and then they slowly started turning around. Sonic Colors and Generations, which are both good again. So now they're just Sonic going in a whole different direction. I thought, I mean, I personally like both of them. I'm sure you did too. But which one? Sonic Adventures one. Sonic Adventure okay, yeah, one yeah. Those, but they were trying to be Mario. Platform. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, the, the more I read about them, I'm just like, what do people think about it? The more mixed it sounds like it doesn't mm-hmm. sound like people really. Overall, liked it. Yeah, it, it was a mixed bag. A lot of people like Sonic Adventure just because it was the first 3D Sonic. But then when 2 came out, they're like, you're only Sonic for a sixth of the game. Why? Like, so then they started... Then they did Sonic 2006, which was... We're not going to get into the bestiality that happened in that game, of sorts. And then there was... Uh, we'll have to play it first. But and then there I was... Play it, I, it's supposed to be really bad. But um, then there was, like I said, Generations and Colors in the opposite order of release, which uh, were good. And now they're kind of going back to Sonic's roots and rethinking 3D. So for, for Lost World, uh, what they're doing is now Sonic... Run, it's their, yes, it's <laughs> Jurassic Park. No, uh, what, what he's doing is like, it's a weird... They're like really rethinking it completely. So Sonic in some parts is going to be running super fast. In other parts he's going to be doing platforming. But it's going to vary within levels, between levels. It's going to be really like on the fly. You're going to be going fast one moment, not the next. So to address that, they're changing how you control Sonic for the first time. So moving the stick will make him walk, like just normal walking speed. Holding down a uh, shoulder button on the gamepad while you're walking will make him run. And then holding a different shoulder button on the gamepad while walking will make him go into his ball form and hit top speed. Do we have any footage of him actually walking? No, there's no footage yet. 
because all the footage in the trailer is him running or going top yeah, speed yeah. after charging up in the ball. Because I mean, I li- I really like this idea of them fixing the controls a bit because generations and colors do a lot of this going to the mid game and yeah. going back or all this type yeah. of thing. But since the controls don't necessarily change, Sonic's walking speed. Or I should say him trying to pick up speed is so slow. Well, that's the thing. He won't be picking up speed. It's either you walk or you That's what I mean. Like, yeah. That's why like, the platforming th- sections kind of worked. Yeah, I think they're taking out the inertia yeah, yeah. is my guess. Because it won't make... It was very momentum heavy. Like, yeah, I feel, like it, I feel like it wouldn't make sense if they're having you press a button to run that's not instantly running. Like, if you press the button and like watch and speed up, that just seems odd. That's what you would use an analog stick for, like Generations did. Yeah. Like, it'd be weird to have a, a button speed up. do have a running up. button, though, so it does... Well, I guess, I, yeah, I guess... Because I, mean, I, I could see how it could work, because I could see how some sections might take a lot more meticulous platforms, yeah. you don't want to go that fast. Right, which is why walking would be key. Yeah, because I mean... But I guess maybe they'll treat him like a car, like in a racing game, where you hold down the trigger to speed up, but you hold think, it down yeah. the same amount the whole time. That might I mean, actually make I, more sense. I mean, as long as the design around it is... Yeah, yeah, they're building a the whole game around yeah, this new mechanic. So... And they're also introducing this crazy new, what they're calling a parkour system, where Sonic, Assassin's Creed style, can now jump over obstacles as he's running. So, because they were saying a lot of issues with the games in the past was like, you're running, you're running, you're running, you hit a wall, you come to an immediate stop. Yeah, now you'll just the, jump the wall and keep running. For some reason, um, Generations and Cutter, they had a lot of like knee-high platforms. Oh god, that was so annoying And, and, and they come by so fast that Sonic just kind of stumbles over them. He loses some speed, but he kind of just controls mm-hmm. them. But most of the time, you're just boosting just because it looks awesome to boost. Yeah, and you but then like, you crash into a wall yeah. and you, yeah. So, just the fact that he now jumps over them, it's kind of nice, but at the same time, it's like, why even have them there to begin with? But. Well, they're building the whole game around the idea yeah, that yeah, there's yeah, parkouring yeah. involved and there's this new controls, and that's leading to the current structure, which is actually different and then from... The running against the walls. It's, yeah, he has long running. I, know, I, I, I thought parkour. it was funny how they called it a new power, even though, like, in every game, yeah. he pretty much runs on walls a lot of the time. Yeah, but the, di- the difference the, is cause... now you can go sideways in the stage instead. Like, in Generations or in Colors, you'd still... Yes, you're going up a wall, but it's still, like, forward. You know what I mean? Like, you're still going down the determined path they want you to go down. Now it's like you're almost in, like, a half pipe at times. You can go on the wall or the ground. Like, in the trailer, they show him running along the ground and coming up the wall and then coming back down to the ground. Yeah, like it's not like in generations where you're still on like a set path and the path just happened to be a wall versus yeah, a floor. I, I mean, I guess what yeah, at least that's on. Yeah, and hopefully it's more than just that because then it's no different than I remember. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. In, in uh, Lost World, they're showing him going. There's a ground and a wall, and he's choosing. No, no, I know. Last yeah. I saw that, like it, it didn't really seem that exciting. That <laughs> but it's um, kind of like a new move, I guess. It's like well, I, I imagine they're building more for it because I mean, the whole point is now that they have this new structure, they're building levels to go with it, which is why they're kind of floating in space and why they have like they look very Mario Galaxy, like some like random assortment of geometry mushed together, like all that specifically because they're building around these new mechanics of parkour and running with a button and whatnot. So that also means actually that they get to have a lot of variety in how they design the level, not just like the layout where it's like sometimes 2D sometimes 3D but also just like the world itself because if you're up in the sky floating over whatever you've already thrown logic out the window like Mario Galaxy had fun with crazy level design because it was you know planets so they're doing the same type of thing so the IGN gave example where you know you could be in the green hill zone or whatever and uh desert ruins or whatever and even within those individual worlds there could be different themes to each level like they were talking about a desert level where one was a desert like sand and then the next level was a dessert and it was full of candy and sweets and kind of like Sonic Colors had its desert world be a candy world well, yeah, like they, yeah. so they're combining well, yeah. things and having fun with it and being a little more creative and uh yeah 
<laughs> That's what, so, I mean, there's that. And like I said, it is going to be a lot of, like, switching perspectives on the fly and going up and down and left and right and upside down and sideways. And it's very galaxy-ish. I'm really excited for it. Yeah, it's got, it seems very cool. And another big component of it is they're bringing back the wisp powers of Sonic Colors, which uh, these are, if you recall, as I'm sure you do both, as listeners may not recall, um, different colored wisps you find throughout the world give you different abilities. Like you could drill down into the ground, you could turn into a rocket ship, because that makes sense, and go up into the sky, like that sort of thing. So they're bringing them back, and this is where the Wii U's like, unique gameplay comes in, or unique controls come in, because the gamepad will activate and control all the wisp powers, and there'll be things like you know using the touchscreen to do something, or using the gyro sensors tilting the, the pad, or doing some other sort of input. So all those powers are going to be used in a mix of not just like gank your level, but also finding branching paths and unlocking additional content by finding the uh, red star rings and gold cannons, which shoot you off to special bonus stages, which I imagine will be like Sonic 2's half pipes, mm. you know, running into the screen. Cause this is like so perfectly set up for that. Cause those were floating in the sky. This will yeah. be floating in the sky. So, uh, yeah. Now on top of all that, they're also bringing back animals. If you're called the old 2d Sonics, you collected animals as you went. Sort of. Well, you didn't really collect them, but at the end they were there. Yeah, they were still in Sonic Adventure 2, remember you collected oh, them right. to yeah. Razor Chow. And right, I forgot about that. But yeah, like. so they're bringing all those back, and they're going to almost be like a high score system, where like each level will track how many animals you have within it, and they can like try and best your score. Kind of like the Lums in uh, Rayman Legend, I'd imagine. That's probably the best comparison. But yeah, so I mean, it's just a lot of stuff. And then on top of that, they have multiplayer, they have multiple competitive modes, they're going to have a co-op mode like Mario Galaxy's where one person's on the gamepad playing a Sonic and someone else is using a Wiimote and unchecked to assist them by interacting with the environment. So there's, they have a lot packed in there, and it all sounds super great. And it does sound to me like a really smart, you know, rethinking, of, like reboot of 3D Sonic. But the, the one thing that struck me as kind of interesting, I don't know if it's good or bad per se, but it graphically, they, it's a notch below Generations. Like, they took out the lighting effects, they took out the fancier backgrounds. It's very. It looks like they literally took the 2D Sonic... And kind of jumped it up into uh, 3D. So, you know, it's very simple geometry, not very fancy lighting, lots of big, bold colors, nothing really beyond that. And, I mean, I guess that's a style choice, but I kind of liked how Generations looked. I liked, yeah, you know, I liked how, it, I mean, granted he doesn't need to be in a real world, but like Generations, better. but it looked snazzier. And it, it looked seems as almost good like a, as a Sonic game could get without mm-hmm. going off into Uncanny Valley kind of thing. Yeah, this one almost goes, like, like back the, um, the other direction. Like, 2006 kind of went that far. Like, it went too yeah, far. Yeah, Sonic 2006 went way too far. I agree. Yeah, I mean, it's like a Mario game. Like, oh, you can only get so good before. Yeah. I mean, graphically. Yeah. It. Which makes me really curious what Mario, uh, three, the 3D Mario for Wii U will look like when it's unveiled at E3 in a few honestly, weeks. I like a thing they could really add at this point is just, I don't know. It'd like, be like a making bigger his, scope. Yeah, or like making farther his... Farther render states. And making his denim actually have, like, seams. <laughs> like, besides that, I don't know what they could add. Like, make his model look like the Brawl yeah. model more. I don't know, have his um, mustache dynamically animate. Yeah, <laughs> have each hair blow in the wind independently, yes. Yeah, like, like do what they did with Luigi's Mansion. Yeah, Luigi's they just... nose, just with his whole body. Right, yeah. Where they just have it be its own free spirit, essentially. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> jiggle physics. Yeah, j- jiggle physics on nose, yeah. But uh, one thing I forgot to mention about Sonic Lost World, that's probably worth knowing, is it will have off-TV play in the Wii U version. So you, you can play it without the TV. And just on the gamepad, which yeah. is a, which is becoming a must-have feature for all like real Wii U games. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Pikmin Three is even gonna have it, and that is really they're really trying to hype up using that as the, the gamepad as a map, but they're saying you don't need it. So you know, it's cool out there including it. The one iffy thing I have about the about the game is the plot, though. I know Sonic's never known for plot, and I know I shouldn't be talking because like Mario doesn't have one either, and this really isn't a big deal in the grand scheme of things. But I mean, 
here, just listen to it. So basically, Sonic's chasing Eggman to this, and they end up on this new planet called Lost Hex, where Eggman is secretly building this army of six villains called the Deadly Six, who are the, the cartoony-looking baddies that are in the trailer. Those six, like, wacky-looking guys. I they're like going to be his big army. I'm not saying they're bad. Uh-huh. I'm saying the plot's kind of silly. But then, the, the, the Deadly Six decide they don't need Eggman, so they rebel. So now Eggman and Sonic team up to stop them. That sounds cool. What I, are you I about? guess. I mean, like, like, he makes these powerful things to kill Sonic. They realize themselves that they're they're powerful enough to take care of Sonic on nothing. Why don't we need this guy bossing us but around? But why, why, if it's a lost world, how is Eggman hanging out there building up bad guys? I feel like it'd be better if they didn't Maybe put Eggman in the story. Right, but then Sonic didn't find it. Sonic was led there. Like, it's not lost. Sounds like, sounds like you're thinking about it way too I'd probably, much. I'd, I'm just saying, I think it would have been better if they left Eggman out. So, I think it would have been better if he went to this planet, like... I don't know, he falls into a wormhole or some random thing. Like, the the, prem- the plant's already so, like, abstract and so cartoony and so just, like, go with it. Like, just, you know, it's whatever we want it to be. Why don't they just have it be he falls into, like, some... He falls into the plant somehow. Like, yeah, maybe it's just lost to Sonic. I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess. Um, I know I'm nitpicking, but at least for Sonic fans, Tails, Knuckles, and Amy will all be in the story. Even though Sonic's the only playable character, they'll... Uh, the whole cast. I don't think Big the Cat's there, but everyone else will be there. Um. I, I, they better have Big the Cat just fishing in the background in one level or something. Because he wasn't very fun to play as in Sonic Adventure, but he's just a cool character. He's a big fat cat that likes to fish. Because I mean, cats like fish, but he uses a fishing rod. I mean, someone that Sega definitely <laughs> liked him. They made him a character yeah. in Sonic Racing. Oh, we forgot a bad Sonic game, Sonic Heroes. Well, no, Sonic Heroes was okay. He was there. I liked Sonic Heroes. Sonic Heroes was okay, but it suffered from the same Honestly, issue. I, ha- I haven't played a Sonic game I didn't like. Sonic Heroes, to me, suffered from the same issue as... Too, where it was too much Sonic. diversity and not enough of Sonic. When you play a Sonic game, you presumably are playing as Sonic. It felt more like a spinoff. It's called than Sonic it. Heroes. Yeah, I know. But they position, positioned it as the new Sonic. That'd be like if you buy a Mario game. So the cover and you Tails, pay... Knuckles, and Sonic. I know, but it's like if you I, buy I, I, a Mario I, 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 game. It's like if you buy a Mario game. Uh, Mario U. New Super Mario Bros. U has Mario, Luigi, and the Toads on the cover. Now, what, how would you feel if three quarters of the game you weren't playing as Mario? Yeah, but that game... And you're pretty much just controlling Mario the whole time. It doesn't matter who you pick. This but I'm saying, what if, gives you... but I'm just saying, like, if you go into the Sonic and going, oh, a new Sonic game, and then you're stuck playing as that chameleon guy and the crocodile reptile guy. Oh, yeah, I kind of like it's v- just Vector Hex and Happy. Then. Charming, yeah. charming, charming. Well, most people... It got mixed reviews, I'll just say. Oh, yeah. But either way. I guess Sonic I'm on that was... side of the mix part where <laughs> I guess really like this. Um... I'm just glad to see him going back to Core Sonic, or as they have been for a while now. But Or how about the werewolf in Sonic Unleashed? There's another odd one. But either way, Sonic Lost World will be out later this year on Wii U and 3DS. And for the first time, the handheld version will be fully 3D and not just a 2D side-scroller. So the handheld Sonic Lost World, while they haven't really talked about it much, the 3DS version will be a pretty good downscaled version of Lost World, at least... Of the Wii U version, at least in terms of how it plays. Who knows how it'll actually be, but... Yeah. So that's Sonic. That's pretty exciting. That adds a lot to, like, Nintendo's a huge... If you think about it, the Wii U actually has a ton of, like, big-name games coming out, which is odd to say. I never thought I'd say that. But, I mean, never Wind Waker... Say that? I never thought I'd say that. Wind Waker, Mario, presumably, Mario Kart, presumably, uh, Wonderful 101, Pikmin 3, Sonic Lost World, Rayman Legend, which is another game that we have new information on. Like, all this... You know, it's shaping up to be a busy fall. At least those couple months from, like, August through November. Time, they're the busy anyway. I know, right? <laughs> Seriously. But yeah, so I mentioned uh, Rayman Legends, and that is another third party platformer that we now have new information on, fitting nicely with our little theme of the episode. Um, so, with Rayman Legends being delayed, 
the developers were able to take some time to add new features and add stuff that wasn't originally planned. And one of the things they added, according to Polygon, is a very is a dynamic lighting system that will actually be used not just to look pretty, but for gameplay. So they're adding a whole stealth element to the game. Like, you can still run through it if you want, but there's got to be, like, sneaking around and dodging things as well. Kind of Splinter Cell style, but 2D. So the stealth seems uh, to really be dependent on this new lighting, and that means that, like, you're ducking behind platforms side from enemies. There's one level they played called uh, Mansion of the Deep, where half of it's underwater, which is another new thing they've added since the delay. You can now swim. It used to only be above water. In, in Legends. In Legends, they only had above water gameplay confirmed up until a couple weeks ago. Oh, in Legends, even in the demo, you could swim underwater. There's a not not whole levels, though. They oh, have... I guess not a whole level, but there's a part of the one with Toad where you could go underwater and swim around and find, like, a secret little coin. I mean, uh... Are you talking about Mario? You just said Toad and coin. <laughs> so wow, wow, I just said Toad. <laughs> and coin. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, there is a coin there, though. Oh. It's oh, a... right, the little medallion. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'll just put. Yeah, I'll just say, three weeks ago, they put out a press release talking about twenty thousand lums under the sea and how they have new underwater levels. So, take it as you will. Oh, well, well, but you made it sound like it was only they confirmed swimming. No, they, they confirmed the underwater worlds. Okay, then. There you but go. one there you of go. them is a fifty-fifty split, and that was mentioned. Thank you for clarifying, Jose. And as mentioned of the deep, so um, half of it you're underwater, dodging glowing sentries. They're like swimming around half of your above water dodging lasers and all that requires ducking in the shadows of platforms and hiding behind less lit things and that's all dynamically lit in real time but the more interesting one for wii u owners is we're getting another exclusive wii u level called the deadly light and this is once again using the, cur- the concept of murphy who you control with the gamepad that's you interacting with the environment there's the little pudgy green toad fairy thing toad isn't a frog not as in not as in or however he talks but um yeah and you're controlling him to not just interact the environment as we've seen in the challenges app or in the demo but also to control the lighting so you're gonna be literally turning off and on lights by touching the touch screen and that will change you know how the player's playing be it the computer or your friend using a pro controller or whatever can actually progress so you'll be hiding light with platforms you'll be moving around obstacles in the environment not just to free a path but to block light so people can sneak through which is Kind of a nice twist on the mechanic, and you know it's cool to see that the developers are like actively expanding the game, even though yeah, it was delayed. Like, they like could, oh, we have all this extra time. Yeah, right? they could just be like, well, it's done. Let's just port it and call it a day. But they're actually going back and rethinking things, and coming up with new ideas, and figuring out new ways to add stuff to the Wii U version alone, which is kind of nice. So I, I I think it's cool that they're doing that, and it certainly helps because uh, the challenges app, the Rayman Legend challenges app. I bet a lot of people have played it. We spoke very highly of it when it came out and I bet a lot of people are going to be sick and tired of the Rayman format and formula by the time the game comes yeah, out so like, that, I, like I already stopped checking yeah I stopped checking the, the app yeah a long time ago yeah but so I'm thinking that like you Hold know on, but yeah yeah but I'm thinking that that's why they're adding stuff like this like the new lighting and the new mechanics because they need a way to convince people it's still worth buying the full game when it comes out way down the road on September 3rd so that's my two cents on that but it's still really cool that Ubisoft is actually putting in the effort or Ubisoft Montpelier, I should say. They're the developers. They're actually putting in the effort to Montpelier. really... Montpelier. If you're American, sure. America. Montpelier. But, uh, yeah. They're putting in the effort to, you know, really make it the best it can be instead of just resting on their laurels once they hear it was delayed. Uh, another game that has an update of sorts, of uh, new information, is one that's coming out much sooner, and that's one... Do you? Man, I had a good... <laughs> I had a good... I was going to say, and this one stars a ma- stars the brother of a certain mascot, 
Luigi. Yeah, New Super Luigi U. Uh, Nintendo in Japan released a couple very minor details that are worth mentioning just because uh, it's going to be a big release for Nintendo. It's their big summer title outside Game of Wario. They too were not resting on their laurels. Well, in this one, yeah, no, they weren't. But, uh, so, first, we now know the game itself is 1.5 gigs if you download it. That's a pretty hefty size. Hefty. So, hefty, 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 hefty. Uh, and the bigger news, For the senior though, brother, he sure has a lot of weight. Well done. So, the bigger news is that, uh, is that this came from a Japanese... Damn it, I should have said he sure comes in a big size. For the thinner brother, he sure weighs heavy on your Wii U. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so this uh, the bigger news came by way of a Miiverse post in the Japanese developer community for the, for Mario U, and that is that in anticipation of New Super Luigi U, they're adding an update to Mario U that not only will include an in-shop, an in-game shop, so you can download the game when it comes out. New Super Mario Brothers 2? 2, yeah, or Fire Emblem Awakening, or any of the in-game shops they've had, but they're also adding Pro Controller support, which was randomly left out of Mario U. Like, with Mario U, you could play on the gamepad, you could play with a Wiimote, but you cannot use a Pro Controller. So, like, if you had a Pro Controller and only one Wiimote, tough, you could only play with one other person, even if you had two controllers. So they're fixing that, and it'll be in uh, Luigi U, and they're retroactively adding it to Mario U. So, kind of nice that they're still updating their games as far after the fact. Well, yeah, I mean... I mean, they could always, they could have easily just... I mean, the just... games are usually so polished, they don't really need that much updating. Yeah, but they're still adding but Usually that's a good sign. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot like Miiverse. Like, they just updated, they're updating that, like, Rapid Fire. They just added a whole bunch of stuff to the web app the other day, where you can now, like, uh, post new posts, view your followers, follow people, edit your settings, all that you can now do from the web, which you couldn't previously. And it's cool to see Nintendo be so iterative and so quick with those iterations, both with their apps and now with their games, too. So, the one thing, though, is I still have no idea if I should get physical or uh, digital download yeah, of Luigi I'm U. I'm definitely just going to go with digital. I'm so tempted to do physical. Like I, so tempted. I wanted to get physical. I was definitely torn with along with you, but I don't know. I, I, I can't wait. I just want to get it over with. <laughs> Sounds like torture. <laughs> I just want to get it done with. It, it, it'd be torture to wait and not play because I know like in the time from it's yeah. released to the physical, I know I could have played that game two times over. Especially since we talk about the games on the show. And, and, it'd be kind of silly and, and to wait so, two And it's so fun. And like, I know. It's just like that green box and I love physical. I know physical. that I know with multiplayer, it's more reason to get as soon as I could play other games. Oh, here's a thought. One of us could get digital and one of us could get physical. So then we could still play it. I could, And I'll just play through the single player. You get physical, I mean digital, and I'll get physical. Or not. We'll figure it out. We have a month. But then how are you going to play it until it comes out? I'll, I won't. Oh, God. Yeah, we have told you, I have told you 19th to sort out my, my conundrum. But, uh, yeah, and I'm going to pay the 10 extra bucks. Like, I have no problem with that. It's just the weight. It sounds like a lot, though. Yeah, but it's fine. For the box, I'm willing to do it. A $10 box. $10 green plastic. But I'm willing to do it. Anyway, uh, I hope I don't, I don't think, I, I don't think I'm going to do it, but I'm willing to do it. We'll see. But anyway, so uh, you going... don't get either, so you just don't process. No, I'm getting it. I'm getting it for sure. It's just a question of how. Skip both. No, that's a complete waste of money. <laughs> but anyway, do you want to spoil my next transition? Be my guest. I don't want to spoil your next transition. I don't even have one. I was hoping you just would say it. Fine. Okay. Fair so enough. going from. You're awful. So going from um, going I gave kids treasure. Yeah, we're talking about treasure now. So we're jumping ship from established mascots People that made to. Unit modes. Calm down. <laughs> we're, we're jumping from established mascots to more Getting indie ones. Fast. Yeah, I, I understand that. So, as Jose very angrily sounding pointed out, uh, it is from the people that made Mutant Muds. It's another platformer in that vein. 
uh, and it was revealed. It's coming to 3DS eShop and Treasure Knots from Ragged Kid uh, was revealed in issue three of the Nintendo Force Fan Magazine recently. So they laid out a whole lot about the game. We knew it was coming previously by way of a copyright claim, but now we actually have info. So graphically, the game is pretty much uh, Mutant Muds. It has a very similar 16-bit aesthetic. Our, uh, it, the graph, you know, that same kind of retro look. It's a little... Too, I looked at a few screenshots, and it looked a little more, like, detailed. A little more rounded than the super blocky Mutant Muds, but definitely still pixely, if that makes sense. And uh, that's really where the similarity stopped, at least in my opinion. Because Treasure Knots... from, like, 8-bit or 16-bit? Yeah. Like... Yeah, but but Mutant Muds was 16-bit, sort of. Not 16-bit to 32-bit? No, nah, it's not that big. It's not Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> um, but... 24-bit? Yeah, it's like it's like... 19-bit. It went from 16 custom to 19. Custom pixels that just have a few more pixels. Yeah, it's like they just like rounded the edges on everything a little. Yeah. Everything's curved. But yeah, so that's really where the similarity stopped, though, like I was trying to say, because Treasure Knots is actually a much more ambitious project from Red Kid, which is cool, because Mute Muds was a lot of fun. I really liked it, but it was also very simple, so it's nice to see them, you know, go a little deeper. Not simple as in simple gameplay. That game simple was as in as concept. I, as, as I once had to censor of a, an episode for. Oh, yes. Yes, we had to put a sound effect, because someone said a certain bad word that would guess an explicit tag. It really wasn't that bad. But word. it wasn't. It's just we didn't want an explicit tag. But, um, yeah, so this one is more ambitious. Probably just as hard. They haven't said... So be ready to swear, Jose. But, um, yeah, there's going to be eight playable characters this time. They're going to be, some of which have to be unlocked, but they're going to be broken into three types of character. And then the rest of the differences are just, you know, just just their look, exactly. Yes, they're being typecast. But um, these eight characters form the Treasure Knots team, which is a group of basically ragtag treasure hunters and misfits and superheroes and whatever that want to go collect treasure. This game sounds like part of the same series as Awesome Knots, even though they're... Or Scribble Knots, or any Knots. Or Jason and the Argonauts. Psychonauts? Psychonauts. Uh, I think there's a game called Knots of Rope on a boat. Yeah, there is. But anyway, it's not. <laughs> but I think Knots Berry is Farm. Knott's Berry Farm. Knott's Berry Jam from the owners of Knott's Berry Farm. They make jam. Knott's is a jam company, first and foremost. They own the Spires restaurants as well. We're carrying this podcast from Ram Nintendo to random Knott's facts. In case you didn't know, Knott's is a very giant... Uh, corporation that makes everything from jams to jellies and theme parks yep yep anyway uh, no but treasure not philosophy why not <laughs> oh why not that's their slogan it's not but why not be. why not they, be, because they they tie things together oh god we have gone down a rabbit hole that i don't think we can get out of <laughs> the tie that bind all right come on anyway <laughs> Taking the rope that was tied together by the knots and climbing back out of our rabbit hole. There we go. Uh, oh, God. What is wrong with me? Anyway, there, so there's uh, Treasure Knots is... Wow, I totally lost my train of thought. I was saying Treasure Knots. I talked about the characters. Uh, yeah, okay. Here we go. So it's kind of back to now. So once you have your character, there are different abilities and whatnot. And then you're sent with your character and their special abilities on a giant treasure hunt, essentially. So the world is laid out in a treasure map, which is which they describe, uh, the Renegade guys, Renegade Kid guys, as very similar to Mario World map, which instantly caught my attention because Mario World is my all-time favorite game. So um, as you go through, you know, as you go through the game, you're going to unlock new levels. But the catch is that not every level will be able to be played as soon as you unlock it. You're going to need a different character with a different skill set, or you're going to need to enlist a second character to help you get past obstacles at the start of certain levels. And yes, that means, for the first time, I think, in any Renegade Kid title, with the exception of their ATV racing game, I believe this is the first, second game, I guess, of theirs that has multiplayer. Treasure Knots will include a full multiplayer element using download play. The other one was Monkey Bomb? 
Oh, Monkey Bomb. So this is the third. I forgot about Monkey Bomb. Oh. So I guess this is the third title of theirs with multiplayer. Uh, let me rephrase. Mutant Mutants didn't have multiplayer. This one does. There. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so you're going to have a second player. It's got to work with download play, which implies you only need one cartridge. Or, I mean, one copy of the download, of the game, which is nice. Yeah. And uh, how, it will be, how it will work is you and a friend can go in as different characters and work together to defeat, to stop and complete levels. For example, you have different abilities that you can like mix and match. You can do things like stand on each other's heads to reach higher points, all that sort of thing. And uh, once you're in a level, unlike Mario or even Rayman, you're not confined to a certain amount of space before being cut off. You're able to go wherever you want, and just if your friend needs you at any point, you can just automatically transport back to where they are. So that's kind of cool. That's exploring. It's allowing a bit more exploration. Sounds kind of like kind of like the cave. But the yeah, cave I was gonna say it's it's a little like cave. the cave. It's like a it's like a more platformery version. Like the cave is platform, but it's really a puzzle game. Yeah, that game is. This is more of a platformer that has cave elements. While the cave is a puzzle game with platformer elements. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I t- Are what? you going to cave in by this game? Probably. I really like Mutant Muds. And I mean, the, and the thing with this one is not only is there just treasure hunting and good platforming, but the, the, the amount you collect, the amount of treasure you collect will actually determine how it ends. So there'll be multiple endings. And if you get hit by an enemy at any point during, the, during your adventures, you actually lose treasure. So really, then the challenge becomes not just, uh, you know, not just being the game, but being it with as few hits from enemies as possible, because presumably you can't get that treasure back. So if you want to get, like, the best ending... I can imagine that being really hard, which sounds really fun. So yeah, I'm definitely interested in uh, Treasure Knots, and I'm probably gonna pick it up. It's not out till fourth quarter though, so that's like holiday season basically. Yikes. So we have a wait, we have a wait, but it sounds really cool and it looks really cool. And like I said before, Mutant Muds is really fun, so I'm on board. Are you on board? Maybe. Don't you have Mutant Muds? Do you have Mutant Muds? I have Mutant Muds. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> you have no thoughts on it. You just own it. Yeah, Presumably you go, well, I think this of the game, but you just... Uh, they, they, they know what I think about the game. Do they? You weren't there when we discussed it because you bought it after the fact. Mutamons? Yeah. I gave the impressions originally. You bought it like a couple months later. Speaking of which, if you want Mutamon impressions, just head over roundtown.com and I don't know what episode it is in, but it's there somewhere. Or if you've never played it... segue. If you've never played it, it's coming to Wii U very soon. Mutant Muds Deluxe has been dated. It will be out on June 13th, which is the week before Luigi U. So that's a lot of platforming in a couple weeks span. Fits our theme pretty nicely. Uh, I'll give you my one sentence review of it. Sure. It's good but hard after you download the DLC. Which is included from the start in the Deluxe version on Wii U. Which also includes the PC extra level. So you get the 3DS and the PC extra levels together. See how I did that? See how I combined the thoughts? Uh, and they're all remastered in HD. And it's got 20 brand new Wii U exclusive ghost levels. Where each world you go through, there's a special level and you unlock in a ghost world with its own enemies and its own power-ups that you have to use. And they're even harder, supposedly, than the already impossible swear-inducing levels. VR levels. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, it should be cool if you never got around so to it. So it just sounds like it. they figured out more ways to make you replay the same levels. No, 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 they're new levels. They're just in a... Well, well that's right. Because to access those levels, you have to go into a Oh, of course. Level. Well, here's the thing. The game, it's a brand new... G- it's the same game, but it's like Resident Evil Revelations where they're HDifying it and adding stuff to make up for the fact that it's just support. Yeah. Yeah, so yes, you are playing through the same game again. Which means, yes, Jose, you, if you buy it, you will be cursing up a storm again. So... But, um, yeah, so, but seriously, June is a crazy month for platformers. I mean, Luigi, you have Luigi, you have Mutant Muds Deluxe, I guess that's it, huh? That's it. Oh, and Animal Crossing, that's which has platform? no, pla- which is on a platform. And you 
assuming, I'm assuming you, you stand take, on one at some point. You are mayor, so you have a platform of which you run your city on. Boom! There, I'm done. Podcast over. I can't top that that wordplay. Okay, podcast isn't over. So there's other eShop games worth mentioning. Uh, also platformers, I might. Well, one's a platformer. And this is also another one coming in June. Here's my third game I was looking for. And that is Shantae. The original Game Boy Color Shantae is coming to the 3DS Virtual Console on June 20th. Same day as Super Luigi U and a week after Mute Muds Deluxe. That's going to be a crazy eight days of platforming. And, uh... See, there you go. Now, I can't, now I can't buy the... Mute Muds Deluxe because you have to get Shantae? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wasn't going to buy Mute Muds Deluxe anyway. Well, if you were, now you won't. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, it's interesting because... Shantae. Shantae was like... I mean, it, the problem with Shantae was it was they released sequels, and it got a lot of praise to that, but not very many people played the original Shantae, because it came out after the Game Boy Advance, but for the Game Boy Color. Existed. Yeah, it came out, like, late 2001. It was only released in North America. Capcom published it, but didn't really do much. I remember seeing ads in Nintendo Power, and I was like, it. But now, because WayForward has control over it, they're really, like, bringing it to everyone that wants it. So not only will it be here in North America on June 20th, but it'll also be released in Europe, Australia, and New Zealand on their eShops. Um, presumably the same week, whatever day they update their eShops. So they're actually finally bringing Shantae to the people who never had a chance to try it and gave, giving the option to people like us who never played it because we were already obsessed with our Game Boy Advances. Yep. So it's it's a, it's like a... I'd say it's a more significant virtual console release than anything else we've seen in the last yeah, while. It's one of the few ones that I've been really looking forward to because I really liked Risky Revenge. Yeah, and they talked about this one. I remember we first talked about how they were porting it like back in January or something. Like This has been a long time coming. Yeah, I wonder how far along they are in the sequel to Risky Revenge. I don't know. They haven't talked about it in a while. They have a lot on their plate. Wait for it. In addition to doing Shantae, they're that also was on the last Nintendo Power issue, right? I second that. to last, yeah. The last issue was the farewell issue with the recreated clay cover. But yeah, second to last issue was Shantae. Yeah, but no, but what I was saying though, wait for it. They're insanely busy. I don't know how. I didn't even know they had this many teams. But in addition to Shantae and. You know, the virtual console port, which is now done. They have the regular show game. Yeah, the regular show game. game. Yeah. They're doing a sequel to Adventure Time on Wii U and 3DS. And it's going to be four-player co-op, which is kind of cool. And then they have... And still keep the same sort of, like, Zelda 2 vibe. And then they're doing, like you said, a regular show game, which I think is just a straight-up side score for 3DS. And on top of all that, they're also doing, like, the Smurfs 2 on Wii U and 3DS, which isn't a big deal. Or no, it's just Wii U. Sorry, not 3DS. But it's a side-scrolling platformer again yeah, this time in, yeah and then they're doing ducktales uh are they doing ducktales yeah With yeah they're doing the ducktales remastered or whatever it's called which is out this summer as well another platformer but it's just like yeah it's uh i'm really hammering that home but yeah it's it's they're very busy i don't know how they have i didn't know they were that big you know like i really thought they were like a team of like 20 not like well, five thousand or whatever Maybe or they're just very they're efficient. Always, they're, they're just way forward. They're way ahead of the game. Yeah. They're way forward on the game. One company that is... Check, I'm going to stop with these transitions. But uh, on the flip side of WayForward, you have also very small indie devs. I mean, WayForward is one of the bigger ones. And one of the smaller ones in this case is actually the one-man team behind uh, Gunman Clive. He's a guy, but he's literally just a guy named... I'm going to butcher this. I'm sorry. But his name is uh, Bertel Horberg. He's from Europe, I believe. But anyway, Bertle, I think I've said his name right, apologies if I'm saying it wrong, did Gunman Clive single-handedly, and he's already working on his second eShop game, and is a huge proponent of the greatness of Gunman Clive. I've talked about it before on the show, for, you know, anyone that's listened for a while knows that. Uh, I have to talk about his new game, even though we don't know anything about it. All we know is that while it doesn't have a name or date, it is a new 3DS downloadable title. It'll be available on the 3DS first, before other platforms, unlike Gunman Clive, which started on smartphones and came over. 
and it's going to be inspired by 2D Zelda, much in the same way that Gum and Clive was inspired by Mega Man. So he was talking about the game with uh, Silicon Era and Bertle, uh, said that he's hoping to do like a top-down 3D graphics, kind of like A Link to the Past 2, with uh, you know, kind of 3DS, but it's going to um, have a very different art style. Somewhat coincidentally, he started working on it before A Link to the Past 2 came out, and then he had to, you know, kind of rearrange things a little. But he's, uh, at least that's my understanding of it. So it's going to be more inspired by A Link to the Past 2. It's going to be more based on the Super Nintendo title than even presumably A Link to the Past 2 is. Hmm. Like, he, he said it's really, like, harking back. Like, this is, he, the quote is, people, hopefully people will be up for more old-school action-adventure gameplay regardless. So, like, A Link to the Past 2 is obviously taking that, that'll be A Link to the Past and kind of, yeah, I mean, and you can't get enhancing any more it. into the path than yeah, yeah, the but, path but it's too. enhancing it, is what I'm saying. Well, this is literally a throwback. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind of called Mega Man became Mega Man X, became blah, blah, blah. But Gum and Clive challenged the original Mega Man. That's what he's trying to do with this. So it's something to keep on your radar. Uh, he's bringing it to 3DS first, presumably because Gum and Clive sold best on 3DS, even though it came out on like every platform imaginable. So uh, it makes sense that he's rewarding 3DS fans with a new game, and hopefully it's just as cheap, because that was a cheap game. It was only two bucks. And it's well worth those two bucks. But uh, going from eShop back to retail for a moment and breaking from our wonderful little platforming theme, um, you may recall in our last episode that we talked about Sega announcing an HD port of Yakuza or Yakuza 1 and 2 for the Wii U in Japan. Yeah? Sure. Do you, do you remember that happening? Or was it all a blur? Was uh, I was there. <laughs> but uh, you think you were there. But it turns out that for Sega, this isn't actually a big... This isn't a huge, like, oh, we're bringing... It's not like a Monster Hunter moment with Capcom. They're not going, we're bringing the franchise to Nintendo now. Yay. New new franchise for Nintendo platforms. Instead, they're actually considering it a bit of a demographic experiment than anything else. So, uh, in interview, the producer of the series... Watch me butcher this name, too. Toshihiro Nagoshi, right? Yeah. Uh, he explained as much, saying, and this is a direct quote, To be honest, we're not aiming to... To see if the game will be a smash hit. Our real intention is that we want to see how people respond. And they went on to say how the series isn't jumping ship from PlayStation. And that Yakuza 1 and 2 are coming out from, on the Wii U. And this is what it is. So don't have any hopes for Yakuza 3, 4, or 5. Or any new entries in the franchise on the Wii U. It really seems like Sega is just dabbling in the idea. At least for now. And you know, I'm curious... I'm curious what the background of this is. Like, how did what made them even decide in the first place to bring y- Yakuza or Yakuza, however you say it, to the Wii U if they're not even that confident in it? Like, he's literally like, it's probably going to bomb, but we'll do it anyway and see what happens. Like, there must have been some backroom dealings as part of the Maybe Sega. Maybe they were just, why not? No, because it costs money. Why not? I mean, I bet... I what bet... that for? Sega? They're, they are not making much money right now. Yeah, but apparently enough to just... I guess so my my I, my guess, no I think my re- the my guess is part of the deal with Nintendo where Nintendo's helping distribute the three Sonic titles. Are throwing money at them. Or Probably Nintendo said, "Hey, you want to bring over a mature game like a mature hit like Yakuza as well?" They're already making an HD port for the PS3. Why not just make Yeah, it's like I mean, come on, guys, like just just try it. Like I mean, you're, we're we're handling a lot you of the. Have to bring it to the US. We're fronting a lot of the bill. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna have to bring it to the US, and we're fronting a lot of the Sonic bill. I mean, Sonic and Mario at the Olympic <laughs> Games. That's us. us. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't have a Sonic without us. Anymore, so you get we deserve a Yakuza, but I mean, it, mu- it must have come out of that, right? Like, what else could it have been? They clearly don't have much hope, maybe in they it. lost a bet, yeah, maybe. It. But I wonder if Nintendo did, let's say it was, the, some the, sort the, the, of... they were playing that one game with the beads, go, 
Well, whatever they were doing, Nintendo needs to do it with Western developers, too. Because I think we're at the point... There you go. Yeah, in order to get them to get games on the system, or whatever, convince them somehow. Because I think we're at the point now that, like, with third-party support where this is the strategy Nintendo needs to take. Like, if they could get someone like Rockstar to release even an older G- like GTA Five, or maybe even, like, some sort of HD-ified, you know, like, Grand Theft Auto stories or whatever that they did on PS3... If they could convince them to, to port that over, or something similar to that, like something, some big mature franchise to the Wii U. It's like, do you have like four guys that aren't doing anything? Good? Yeah, literally, because we need something. And I, I know we've always like talked about on the show how we've always bemoaned the idea. I mean, like, like, I might not buy it, but I'm sure someone. A lot Actually, of no, will. they can't. Now that I think about it, they can't port over Grand Theft Auto stories. It would have to be GTA Five. It would have to be day and date, like Yakuza One and Two, but which I think is kind of at the same time. But as they're the PS3. Yakuza Three. Yeah, but I think the HDified. Versions the same day as the PS3's HDFI version. Unless that's already out. I'm not sure. But either way, I know we've bemoaned for a long time, like, oh, the whole, like, we're experimenting. We're bringing Resident Evil and Brawl Chronicles to the Wii. It's a light gun shooter, but it's an experiment to see if you want real Resident Evil. We're pouring Resident Evil 4 to the Wii, but it's an experiment to see if we should bring more. Like, we heard a ton of that on the Wii, and it was annoying, and it felt unnecessary, but now I think we're at the point where Nintendo needs to convince developers to go ahead and experiment a little, and just pour, bring one game over and see what happens. Because that's better than the nothing we're getting right now. I mean, they, there's some developers in the West they could do that with. Some publishers in the West I think they could probably do that with. Uh, Warner Brothers comes to mind. They have a cool new zombie parkour game. Yeah, parkour seems to be a theme this episode, too. From the uh, developers of... Uh, parkour is essentially platforming. Yeah, it's like rapid fire running. But um, Mario is essentially a parkour master. That is true. But yeah, there uh, Warner Brothers is publishing this game called Dying Light from the Dead Island creators, and it's just like by day you're like fighting zombies, and by night you're managing resources and running from zombies. And it's all first person. It's like Mirror's Edge with zombies. But like Warner Brothers has a great relationship with Nintendo. Scribblenauts. Uh, they brought Justice over. They're bringing Batman over. They have you know pretty much every Warner Brothers game is hitting the system except this one. So if Nintendo could somehow convince them and be like, just experiment, I, it, it could work. Because it doesn't involve DC characters. Scribblenauts didn't when they first did it either. Yeah, but that's Scribblenauts. Yeah, that's, I mean, a, that's, that that's home at Nintendo. How is that not associated with Nintendo? Yeah, yeah. But no, seriously, like... Yeah, it's DC or Scribblenauts, that's it. Basically, that's true. It's all their pl- blockbuster games, in other words, which are all DC or Scribblenauts. But no, if, they, if Nintendo could somehow convince companies to like take a stab at these experiments... Yakuza style, I think it could be beneficial. I really do. Because, like, what else? There's no other way we're getting this stuff. Like, if they could get, like, Deep Silver or whoever to bring Saints Row 4 over just as an experiment, sure. The catch is, of course, this only will work if companies don't, uh, you know, half-ass the effort. Which is exactly what went wrong with Sniper Elite version 2. Yeah, which is exactly what went wrong with Sniper Elite version 2. Such a shame. Yeah, well, the game wasn't, like, it wasn't high on my list to begin with, but the original... Well, yeah, yeah, it still is a crappy situation. The original version of Sniper Elite uh, V2 for PS3 and 360 came out over a year ago, and since then they've released... Over a year ago. And since then they've released, yeah, DLC packs that added online play, leaderboards, extra single-player missions, a whole bunch of stuff. And the Wii U version, which just came out in the past couple weeks is missing all those D- DLC enhancements. Instead of doing what EA did with Need for Speed Most Wanted, where they packed it into the... Pri- you know, they packed it in and sold it at full MSRP. It's like, well, it's been a year, or it's been nine months. You deserve that for the higher price. Uh, Final Five Games and the developers over at... Who did it? Revolution, Revolution, I think, did it? They basically chose to port the original vanilla version of the game with no uh, DLC attached. Which, you know, they didn't do anything wrong. But then they charged $60 for it. Which is odd, considering there's a re-release of Sniper Elite V2 on PS3 and 360 
with the DLC baked in for only thirty dollars. So they are they're kind of doing they a bait. Wanted to fail. They're, yeah, they're almost doing like a bait and switch with Wii U owners. Because like I won't expect it to be the recently or the more recent uh, DLC enhanced game of the year edition, and instead it's the original for full price. I mean, like I said, technically they didn't do anything wrong, but this is the sort of thing that causes Nintendo's ridiculous catch-22 with third-party developers, you know? Like, if a developer doesn't put the effort in, the game's not going to sell, and then the developer will stop supporting it, and then other developers will see it not being support, you know, not being supported by their by their compatriots in the industry or their whatever the word I'm looking for is. So then they won't release games. So it's just like this disappointing cycle we're stuck in now. But And the reason they don't even do it in the first place is because they assume Nintendo fans won't support it. And then basically those fears are confirmed when the fans don't support the half-assed game they released. It's a really vicious cycle. It, like, I mean, look at Monster Hunter 3. Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate on Wii U. They put in the effort. Yeah, it's a 3DS upscale. They put in the effort, though, and it sold well by Wii's Way standards. more than a 3DS upscale. I well, but I mean, at its core, that's what it was originally. Because I was um, looking into... A while ago, when I started getting really into the game, like, what exactly did they add to it besides just upscaling it? Yeah. And the original game only had, like... But keep in mind, Ultimate was also on 3DS. Like, around, like, 20-something monsters. And this one has, like, yeah. over 50. Like, well, no, but, more. but so is the 3DS version. I mean, this is literally an upscale of the re-released 3DS version. Oh, yeah. 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 But, and that did well, because they put the effort in to make it a full package. Yeah. That did well, uh... I mean, it's the same issue. Like, look at Mass Effect from launch. We got Mass Effect 3 a week after Mass Effect Trilogy came out. 3 bombed on the Wii U. Trilogy sold fine. Why don't they just give us Trilogy? It might have done better because people who have never played it will have access I to all 3. I would have bought it, most likely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a horrible Catch-22 that Nintendo's been stuck in for generations now. I think, really, the N60 GameCube is probably where it really surfaced first, first and then it was Wii, Wii, and now it's Wii U. But, I don't know. It's just like... This is the type of problem we have. So if Nintendo could like somehow exper- have companies experiment with full ports and maybe flip the bill a little or make some sort of deal like to do with Sega for Yakuza, maybe it will turn things around a bit. But there's one company there's one company in particular that there's it's been super confusing what's going on with them and their support, and that's EA. And uh, as we talked about last episode, they're not supporting the Wii U, but apparently they now are once again supporting the Wii U. Hmm. Because they don't know what they're doing, essentially. Uh, like, this whole well, dodgy... Well, this whole situation just got weirder. Well, I mean, what's the guess? I mean, they never said they're not supporting yeah, they it. They just said, we don't have any games planned. I mean, I know... They said that we have no I, games... I, right. I, I know, I mean, yeah. yes, that could basically mean we're not supporting it, but technically, technically, they never... But then they did. But here's the quote from this time. So, first, backstory. Uh, I don't know why I'm defending them, but whatever. No, 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 because they, what they said is we have no games in development. And then a week later, they said, here's the quote, and I'll tell you who said it. We are building titles for the Nintendo console. Right. But not anywhere near as many as we are for PlayStation or Xbox. Okay. So that quote came from uh, the CFO, Chief Financial Officer of Electronic Arts, when he was speaking at the Stifle Nicholas 2013 uh, Internet Media and Communications Conference. Someone asked what's going on with Wii U, and that was the response. So he did go on to discuss, and I mean, EA makes a good point with this. He went on to discuss that while EA may believe more powerful next-gen systems like PlayStation 4 or Xbox One, which we'll give our impressions of in depth a little later in the show, uh, while those systems obviously are the ones they feel are going to be the best sellers and resonate the most with consumers, at the end of the day, it is the consumers that decide. So EA can't control the consumers, and they don't necessarily want to completely cut out a system because they don't know which one will be 
the system that sells. Like, the Wii, I don't think anyone expected to be the number one system, and yet there it was, number one. So they have to support Wii U a little in order to, you know, just in case. But it's weird that a week ago, or last episode, so two and a half, three weeks ago when they said it, uh, they're like, we have no games in development. And then last week, they're like, we are building games. So I guess they do have games in development. Hmm. Now, I remember last episode, uh, I was speculating that maybe that EA has a weird situation on their hands because uh, Disney is a big supporter of Nintendo. You know, Disney Infinity, uh, Epic Mickey, Planes being a Nintendo-exclusive set of games because everyone wants games based on the Dane Cook vehicle that is Disney's Planes. But, um, yeah, I was saying that between them and the fact that LucasArts has long been a, long, been a long-standing supporter of Nintendo, it was weird that EA, who then got the Star Wars license, was not supporting the system, the Wii U. So I wonder if EA changed their tune after a little pressure from Disney about the Star Wars deal. Like, maybe the quote came out and Disney's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Star Wars has a long history on Nintendo platforms. Disney has a long history on Nintendo platforms. Maybe you should reconsider that. If that's the case, what are we getting on Wii U that's Star Wars? Assuming that's the case, because most of the games are being built on Frostbite Engine 3, so is EA making some entirely separate game for Wii U? Really is it even Star really Wars really that they're talking about? I honestly think... Like, whoa, 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 you don't talk like that about my buddy in Nintendo. No, honestly, what I think... I don't know if it went down quite like that, but honestly, what I think is EA said we're not supporting Wii U. Disney went, um, we have great success with both our platforms and Star Wars has a history of success with their franchise on Nintendo consoles. It's been that way for generations. Our deal was you would make our core games. We want one on Wii U. Make it happen. I can see them saying that. Yes, sir. Well, yeah, because EA is the one who's doing what they're... T- EA got the contract and pr- I bet you somewhere in there it said to all leading platforms. And EA chose to interpret that or something like that. You know, like it'll bring it to all major platforms, all major consoles. And EA probably was like, well, we, we don't consider major. And Disney was like, well, we do. And we own the rights. And we no. gave you the rights. I could totally see something like that happening. Disney and LucasArts have been huge supporters of Nintendo. It'd be very strange. And I'm sure Nintendo gave Disney and EA a call and tried to... Like, they have people that deal with third parties. Like, third-party uh, liaisons of sorts. I bet they gave made some calls. Like, uh, guys? Uh, hello? Like, I'm sure some of the change of tune was a fallout after the last comment. From Nintendo, from Disney, from... Lucas, what's left of Lucas Arts? That's just a theory, but I won't be surprised. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yep. Switching gears entirely. Best Buy. <laughs> um, so as we talked about last episode, this also originally came up last episode, much like the Disney E3 thing. coming to Best Buy. Yeah, E3 will be at Best Buy, and now we know a and bit like E3 more. Mean just Nintendo. Yeah, we know a bit more now. It's going to be just Nintendo. And it's only going to be at eighty-nine stores in the U.S. And 21 in Canada. And what Nintendo's doing is they're bringing the games to the people. They're going to have what they're calling Nintendo experiences at these stores. We don't know exactly the details of it. But there's going to be a lineup of games that will be announced on June 11th. Presumably following that morning special one hour long E3 Nintendo Direct. Which will have all the stuff on Mario Kart and 3D Mario game. And Smash Brothers and Wind Waker HD and Yarn Yoshi and who knows what else. Surprises. The new retro game maybe. But after Wait, Tuesday, then, right? Tuesday, June 11th at 7 a.m. What? What's not Tuesday? Oh, never mind, never mind, never mind, never mind. You, are you, are you alive I, I, that day? Are you in this world on that day? Or are you going to be somewhere else where you can't see it? No, for some reason I thought I would be able to watch it, but I forgot that. It's 7 to 8 a.m. Pacific oh. time. 7 to 8 a.m. Pacific time, 10 to 11 Eastern time. One hour Nintendo Direct. 
Yeah. And they're gonna, it's going to be their big E3 blowout. Uh, I can only catch half of it. Damn. Well, you can catch up with it. The nice thing is it's not live, technically. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so Nintendo, what they announced there will determine, or will allow them to announce what's going to be shown at Best Buy. But they did confirm on their E3 teaser site, which just went live Friday night, this past Friday night, that uh, there will be only four unreleased games playable. Which, on one hand, sounds like a lot, because, ooh, Mario... Mario Kart, Smash Bros, there's three right there. But realistically, I'm guessing it's going to be... They said unreleased, not unannounced. So I'm guessing it's going to be Game of Wario, Pikmin 3, The Wonderful 101, and then maybe one title that's unannounced. Or maybe it could... I, I would not be surprised if the fourth game is I really, Luigi. I, I, I uh, want to say I, well, Game of Wario definitely won't be there. Yeah, well, it comes out two weeks later. Perfect marketing. Which is unfortunate, because we all want to go and play like future, future games. Like We want to play Mario and Smash Bros. Game of has been... I know we played so Game and we played Game and Warrior like two different, three different times. It's probably yeah, but uh, so we'll know for sure the games on Tuesday morning, and then you'll be able to go try them for yourself on uh, Wednesday, June twelfth, from four to eight p.m. local time, and Saturday, June fifteenth, from one to five p.m. local time. And when you're there, you'll also be able to get some what they're calling quote Luigi loot. Which is probably some sort of freebie, but I have no idea what that actually means. I'm hoping hats. Please be hats. I want a Luigi hat like I want a hat. It better be a hat, because I want that hat that I want to wear as a new It's gotta be a, you know what it's really gonna be? It's gonna be a paper cutout of Luigi. Not even a sticker. You can't even stick it. It's just gonna be a piece of plastic or cardboard. It's and you're gonna be a coupon for a discount on Super Luigi. Probably. Oh, if it was that, if it was like an eShop code for like five bucks off, that wouldn't be so bad. Fifteen bucks for that much content. But either way, um, the bigger story of all this is how brief the hands-on times are. There's two four-hour windows. In the week of E3, there's only going to be a total of eight hours that people can go try out these unreleased games at a very select and very randomly chosen, it seems, bunch of Best Buys. Like, for example, they're going to have a be- they're gonna have one in Minnesota, but it's in a suburb of uh, Minneapolis, not at Mall of America, where there is a Best Buy. Like, why would they not put it at Mall of America? Or, like, here. It's at the Culver... In L.A., it's at the Cul- Los Angeles, not Louisiana. It's at the Culver City Best Buy, even though there's much bigger Best Buys, you know, all over L.A. It's... I'm not sure how they went about choosing it, but I can see why Nintendo's limiting the hours. I mean, they're giving eight hours primarily because they're using it as a way to create buzz and to create hype. Because if people aren't excited about the Wii U, they need to make it look like people are excited about the Wii U. And they used to do this back at E3... By putting their booth inside a walled-off area. So that's how they created their six, seven, eight-hour-long lines to try the Wii. Because you only had one little entrance and one very small path you could go down. So they could easily cut off and have people wait. And it's much easier than, like, last year for the Wii U, where it was a very open booth. And you didn't hear any stories of lines because there's nowhere for a line to form. You just walk up to any kiosk. So I could see that, you know, by recreating that line... It's got to look like a huge deal. They might be able to get the media to come out, like local news come out and cover it, like that sort of thing. But given how brief these are and how few locations they are, the long line might just mean insane chaos and kind of a nightmare in terms of logistics. Like, let's say everyone in L.A. decides to go to Culver City. They have two four-hour windows to do it. You know, everyone that's a Nintendo fan. I guarantee that's a couple thousand people that could show up just to try four games for four hours, but the line would snake around the boat. It, it could be that. I mean, I, I, I can see why. Like, they have to... They have the issue of their reps have to man the demos themselves, yeah, which means their reps have to go ahead of time. Stopwatch. Like, right, go. No, it, 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 it's stop. ten minutes, usually. If it's anything like E3, it's probably going to be mimicking E3. At E3, how they do it is the demo itself is ten minutes, and either you beat it, 
within 10 minutes or it cuts itself short after 10 minutes. But the demo has its own timer. And it just, when it fades to black, you hand off the controller. That's how it tends to work. That's how it was when we played it at Comic-Con, too. Um, for some of the games, at least. But they have to have their reps go to all these locations, set it up, take it down, stand there for four hours, teach people how to play, all that. And I'm sure that's a pretty big strain logistically for them to do. But if they're already going through the effort of doing all that, why don't they just add a third day? Like, they already have the reps in the cities. They already have to be there on Wednesday and Saturday. Why don't they do a Thursday or Friday event, too? It seems, I don't know, it seems, it seems like they're missing a little something. And I really don't want to complain too much, because it's awesome that Nintendo's doing this in the first place. Like, the fact that they're letting us do this and they're bringing E3 to the people is a, you know, it's a big move for them. They've never done anything like that. But it's just kind of like, guys, you could do, like, you have the people already there. Why don't you just add one more day? So, it'll be interesting, to say the least. And those in New York are actually super lucky, because the Nintendo World Store, for all five days of E3, the whole week of E3, Monday through Friday, they're going to be had them, or, well, Tuesday through Saturday, I should say. They're going to have... Go to New York. Okay. Top on a plane. But yeah, they're going to have demos there on all their in-store Wii's. All right, we'll go to New York. No. But what we will do, either way, regardless of how chaotic this ends up being, we will be checking out the LA location in Culver City on that Wednesday, and we will be reporting back in an exclusive extra with photos and thoughts on the event uh, the next day. So literally on March 13th, if you come to the site, we will have an extra there. Or not March. Where did I get March? On June 13th. Or you can go all the way to March 13th and visit then. I don't care. But on June 13th, we'll have an article with photos and description of the event. So if there's not one near you, you can, you can vicariously see what it was like through us over at Rantana.com. And then that coming weekend in our normal episode, which will be going up on June uh, 15th, we're going to be having... Or sorry, June 16th, Sunday, June 16th. We're going to be having our impressions of the games there so you can hear what we have to think about the games. We'll outline our whole E3 plan later in the episode at the tail end but for now just keep those in mind it's gonna be a crazy week of e3 coverage we have a, we have a ton of stuff planned but uh regardless ignoring that while nintendo's doing their e3 special event they're also doing a simultaneous wii u summer tour which is currently in disneyland and disney world so this tour doesn't have any e3 demos it's uh really just giving those who don't know what the wii u's about or haven't had a chance to try it or don't even know it exists a chance to try it know it exists and know what it's about so the tour is currently at D Downtown Disney in both Disneyland and Disney World. Then it's going to go to Chicago's Navy Pier, which is the closest thing Chicago has to like a Disneyland, a Downtown Disney. And uh, Bloomington, Minnesota, presumably at the Mall of America. And then it's going to double back to L.A. at Highland Highland Center and be in Boston. And in all those locations, you'll be able to try a whole bunch of games we've already all played. It's really nothing new. They're going to have Nintendo Land, Mario U., Lego City Undercover, Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate, Need for Speed Most Wanted, Injustice, Resident Evil Revelations, the Rayman Legends Challenge app, as well as some Wii U system features you can try, like Miiverse, the video apps, the Wii Street U app, uh, the internet browser, Wii U chat, all that. So, this is exactly, I think, what Nintendo needs to do to get the word out, right? Like, I'm, I'm, like they need to do more of this. Well, yeah, I mean, they're putting it in a public place where many people that don't even right. know what the U we Very is, public. But very public. very family-oriented. Yeah, they're putting it in very, so, like, happy family touristy yeah, spots. Yeah, it's like what they did to do. It's, it's yeah. Yeah, it's, it's actually yeah, a lot like what they did before yeah. the 3DS came out, and even yeah. after, where they had the pods all over, like, they had a pod on 3 Prone on Santa Monica, which was a major tourist spot, and you could try the 3DS. But I think they could do a little more. Like, it's cool that they have their E3 event and they have this, but why don't they combine them? Why don't they put the AAA tiles that people that will draw people to the booth even more so than just what's a Wii U? Like, why don't they put Mario, Mario Kart? I guess, 
maybe the way they see it's like if someone doesn't even have a Wii U to them they might not even I mean even if they've never owned a Nintendo console before what difference does it make whether they don't know they, most people know who Mario is more than they know what game in Mario is and th- that's not even there but <laughs> better example uh, I guess Mario U is there but I feel like Mario, Mario Kart was one of the best selling games of the last generation Mario Kart U outsold the Halo series last generation yep so why don't they maybe because it's not announced yet they're not maybe they will put the E3 demos there the ones they have at Best Buy eventually but I feel like they should if they're not they definitely should have Mario Kart there because Mario Kart is a universal like everyone knows Mario Kart Jimmy Fallon did a whole bit on his show with Selena Gomez singing about Mario Kart like it's a well known property more so than anything else and even if someone's like I don't know much about Nintendo or I don't know much about this Wii U or What's a Wii Street U and a Rayman Legends Challenges app? And what is this new fangled Monster Hunter? Like, even if people don't understand that, if they see a giant thing that says, like, Mario Kart, they'll check it out. And, I mean, Nintendo's kind of going that direction. Uh, pictures of the booth have surfaced online, like the kiosk for the summer tour. And there's giant faces of Mario and Link and all these recognizable characters on it. So now they just need to have things... Oh, Link's here. I want to play exactly. Link game. Oh. Well, they're like, Zelda? What? There's a new Zelda? So they go, look, but it's not there. So, like, what they really need to do, I guess after E3 maybe they'll do it, is put the demos of the games they're showing the faces of in the booth because that will draw a bigger crowd. Sure, seeing Link and going, oh, cool, Link is there. But if it's like, whoa, I could play this HD Zelda? What? Never mind that's Wind Waker. What? Then that could, you know, that could be huge. That could really help build more of a buzz than what they're already trying to do. But either way, while all of this Wii U news was, all this Wii U tour news was happening in America, Japan got some Wii U accessory news that will hopefully be coming to America. Uh, most notable is Wii U finally is getting a larger battery pack for the gamepad. This is, uh, I think we've all experienced this issue, yes? Where the gamepad controller dies a little too quickly. I mean, it only lasts three or five hours. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've straight up had the issue where I was actually just recently streaming, binge-watching the new season of Arrested Development on Netflix, which, by the way, is amazing. It takes a little... No, on the TV, but I had the gamepad next to me as a controller. And after four, four or five episodes, it just, like, needed... The battery died. I was like, really? Like, because I don't keep the cradle for the gamepad near where I sit to watch TV, so I have to keep getting up to change the episode because it was in this cradle. I was like, it'd be so nice if this lasts like eight hours. Speaking of Arrested Development, it's really good. It take, it's a little slow to get started, but once it goes, it's, it's good, and it, the way it intertwines the whole plot, oh, so good. Anyway, um, it's really good. Anyway, uh, point being, I'm happy to see that they're not bumping the battery. So it's going to be, instead of three to five hours, you'll get five to eight hours, closer to eight and you only have to unscrew the back battery pack cover and replace the battery. There's no hump that's added. There's no, like, extra a piece of equipment. You just swap out the battery. And it's got to come out in Japan in July for about uh, $30, 3,150 yen. So not a huge price to pay. Hopefully in the future they integrate it right into the base model of the controller. So when you buy a Wii U, you have the better battery. But for us early adopters, they're making us pay 30 Uh The Wii U uh, gamepad isn't the only controller, though. That's... That's getting some new batteries. There's also the Wii Remote itself, which is getting a quick charge set, as they call it. And now it'll come with a battery pack, a charging dock, a Wii Remote sleeve, and a strap for 4,200 yen, which is about $40. It'll, it takes nine minutes to charge the battery pack, to get one hour juice into the battery pack. And then if you charge it for 90 minutes, you get a full 13 hours of gameplay, which is pretty good. That's much faster than most of the third-party solutions. But I have to wonder, how many people... Are actually good. How many people have been waiting this long to buy a charging pack? Like, how many people didn't just cave and buy 
Well, the third party I ones. I think I ever waited. I just got my rechargeable batteries like right away. See, I waited. When I got the Wii U, I literally gave Nintendo like three years. Because then I don't have to change the back cover and I just recharge the batteries. Yeah. But yeah, I, I waited like three years. Wow. Basically, three or four, I don't remember. But after a while, I'm just like, Nintendo's not doing it. They're not releasing a rechargeable battery. They probably don't want to like, have any issues of the controllers melting if it's short circuits or something. So I just caved and bought like a pretty snazzy Energizer one. I think it's Energizer. And it does the job great. And it you know, matches the aesthetic of the controllers. It's white and glossy and whatnot. But if I knew that Nintendo was... Like, if Nintendo was smart, they would have done this when it made more sense in the heyday of the Wii, not now for the Wii U. And granted, you still use a Wii remote. But it's just kind of like, feels late, doesn't it? It has been seven years That's since true. it came out. Outside of multiplayer games, I don't think I've used my Wii mode at all. Yeah, it's just like, it seems a little be- better, I guess better late than never, but I can't believe it took them this long. Although I will say, props to Nintendo for using Club Nintendo to actually gather information. I remember six or seven months ago, they yeah, asked in a survey about this, and then here we are six months later and it's happening. So it's cool that they actually that are taking six our, months ago? Something like that. It's beginning of the year. Or tail end of last year. So it's cool that they're listening like actually listening and not just or maybe they were going to do it regardless no if they if it got bad feedback they wouldn't have invested in making it happen but uh another thing they announced is that nintendo land in japan will now have a bundle that comes with either a blue wii remote or a pink wii remote uh the bundle is actually a pretty smart move on Nintendo's part it replicates it kind of replicates what they did with wii play where if you bought wii play you got a controller and it was all 50 dollars or you got a controller with your wii play for 50 dollars uh, so, it's smart, since Nintendo Land requires a Wii Remote for any of the multiplayer stuff, and the Wii U doesn't come with a Wii Remote. So, basically, they're, they're literally duplicating what they did with Wii Play, and Wii Play went on to be one of the best-selling games of the past generation. Because it was, oh, $10 more for 10 games with the controller? Sure, why not? So this one's like, oh, like, 10 or $20 more for however many attract nine attractions or whatever, 11 attractions with the 12 attractions? How many is it? I think it's 12. 12. 12 attractions with the 12 mini games with the controller? Oh, sure, why not? Like, it's a good deal, and I bet Nintendo looked at Wii Play and went, gee, we could replicate that on the Wii U. Plus, you, like I said, you need a Wii Remote to really get the most out of Nintendo Land, so it's kind of. It was odd that they didn't offer this from the start. Like, it seems like a no brainer. But now they are. And the last thing of hardware news is there's a white Wii U Deluxe set hitting Japan in July. Same as the black, except it's white. No word on if any of this, any of the accessories, any of the hardware is coming to America, but I guarantee we'll hear about by E3, if not at E3. So basically, in our next episode, we'll be telling you all the American prices. So stay I tuned. Now, like, and last, the big announcement. Yeah. You guys get recharged, like, charging cradles. No, and no, no. And the big announcement is three more hours of your battery on your gamepad. We don't have a new retro game for you. For many years, people have been playing on their gamepad. Like, he's going to say For many years. <laughs> Wondering, why can't I Technically, play it was two years. But now your, your, your prayers have been answered. Never mind the new retro, uh, retro mm-hmm. project. Never mind what happened to Smash Bros., which mm-hmm. isn't here for some reason. We have a three-hour boost for Presenting you. Presenting battery you. Yeah. <laughs> it adapts to how long you play. Oh, God. If you barely play your games at all, it'll just die out to remind you that you shouldn't even be playing. Oh, man, that'd be awful. <laughs> it'd die out to remind you. Remember how we used to remind you in games where it's like, take a break, go outside? Well, we originally programmed the, the gamepad to just turn off after a while instead. But now we're giving you more time. <laughs> anyway, that's it for uh, Nintendo news in the last couple weeks. It's been a slow... It's like the quiet before the storm of E3. There's a lot of Nintendo news from the last Nintendo Direct. There's going to be a lot the next Nintendo Direct, but we kind of had this lull in between where there's a good amount of stuff, but nothing earth-shattering. In the video game industry as a whole, however, there was something pretty earth-shattering, and that was the Xbox One being unveiled by Microsoft. 
Now, we did this for the PlayStation 4, so it's only fair we do it for the Xbox One as well, and we usually stick to just Nintendo. But since a whole new console can greatly influence Nintendo's standings in the market, it's probably pretty important that we touch on the Xbox One and some of the things that make it unique I mean, and some of the things it does right and some of the things it does wrong. And if game enthusiasts, I mean, how could it not catch our interest? Right, I mean, exactly. As anyone, if you're a person that's listening to a video game podcast, and you are because you are right now, uh, then yeah, you must have at least a curiosity. Yeah, I mean, you cannot acknowledge the Xbox. Yeah, there's something... Yeah, it's... It, yeah, Where it's been the number Xbox 360 has been the number one system in the U.S. for like 22 months or something. So it's worth mentioning for sure. So what uh, Microsoft did back on May 21st, which was a little while ago, is they held a event on their campus to debut the Xbox One, and they really focused not so much on the games, which they claim they're saying for E3, but a lot on the system features and what it can do as an entertainment device, an all-in-one device, hence for your living room, hence the name of Xbox One. Yes, boy, does it have features. So hardware-wise, first of all, the Xbox One in my humble, non-biased, I swear, opinion. Looks like a giant, half-shiny, half-metal-graded VCR or Betamax player. Like, I seriously had a VCR of the same size and same shape and same color when I was, like, nine, back in the mid-90s. Like, I'm not even kidding. So they pretty much hit the nostalgic value out of the park for Jason. Yeah, it was, it was, I was like, whoa, I've always wanted to be able, where do I put the, where do I put the tape? Where, how do I watch Lion King without having to wind the tape back in because it it's popped Is it as big as the Xbox? It's bigger. One? It's big, it's like the size of a cable box. Well, the original Xbox. No, I know, I'm saying, it's like the size of a cable box. It's probably somewhere, it's I don't know, I haven't big. seen it in oh, person. It's scary as it's power adapter. Yeah, it's big. It's bigger than the 360, that's for sure. And it's and part of the reason it looks like a VCR is they have the opposite strategy they had with the Xbox 360, where it was supposed to be, this, where it was supposed to be this big like, look at this unique device. Like you want to show it off in your living room, put as many faceplates as you want on it, make it yours, make it a showpiece. This one's really tuck it into your entertainment center, stick it next to your cable box, and it'll and do everything. You can't tell the difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally it's supposed to blend in, kind of like the Wii U, where Nintendo's saying the controller is what we're focusing on, which is why the Wii U has such a simple box design. You know, I never really appreciated though the fact that the Wii U, even though like it kind of looks the same, is the fact that it does really look the same. Like it's still really small for an HD console. Like even the PlayStation yeah. and the Xbox, as much as they kept slimming them down, they never got anywhere near the Wii U. Yeah. Like size. Well, the yeah. Xbox 360 Slim is close if you stand them up side by side. Still. But the PS4, you're right, is definitely bigger. I mean, it barely fits, like, it fits perfectly on my shelf, because I have them, like, yeah. right next to each other. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's like, it's like half the and size the PS3 of the PS4. Like it's the same length as a PS, it's the same, like, depth as a PS4, but it's, like, half the width, which yeah. is an impressive feat, yeah. But, uh, so, back to Xbox One, though, and it's, the one. and, and it's VCR. Uh, it, it does have a very similar chipset to the PS4, uh, it's, like, in terms of a processing power is going to be pretty similar what's in the box but the big difference is that some of the processing power is not going to be on the system it's going to be in microsoft's cloud the system's going to be connected to the internet much more than i mean all systems are but they're really emphasizing the connectivity and that means that they can draw power from the cloud so while the the one itself will apparently have about four times the power of a 360 when you hook it into the cloud and do processing on that end it can get up to 10 times as powerful and presumably it can keep growing from there as technology advances which is actually a very cool idea the fact that, like, the box has its own chipset, but it's not the only chipset it uses, is cool when you have a guaranteed internet connection. I'm not sure how it's going to work if your internet dies or if you want to disconnect for whatever reason. I guess it will fall back. I guess it will fall back on simpler graphics, but... But will it do it automatically, or it kind of just... Oh, it'll, it'll have to be automatic. There's no way... There's no way it's going to be, like, go into options and hit weaker graphics. Like, it's not going to be, like, well, a no, PC. No, I mean, it might just automatically, like, pause it and just... Because, I mean, I know some games just, like... Yeah. 
kind of well, stop you with a positive. It's interesting because what they're changing to blah blah blah. Yeah, it's interesting because what they were saying Internet was died. yeah. It's interesting because what they were saying was that uh, it's not going to be for main core parts of the game. Your main characters gonna look the same. The weapon he's using gonna be the same. How you interact with the game will be the same. What's gonna change is like the draw distance or the trees, like the polygon count on the trees, or like little things like that. So if you lose the internet, it'll just fall back on dumber renders, I guess. I don't know. But um, the other considering thing, considering it's a way stronger box than what we already have now, I wonder if that's even saying like much. I mean, your draw distance is already gonna be yeah probably ridiculously far. Yeah, it's like oh now I can't see the trees. But now the ground texture, you can see like double the pieces of dirt. Which matters to someone out there. I mean, in theory, that's already cool. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of their things are really Yeah, cool, that's the but... thing about the One is so much of it is cool, but Microsoft misdelivered so much information that there's so much confusion. Now, we'll get to all of it. We'll, we'll work our way down the list of features, I guess. That's probably the best way of doing it instead of like, jumping around, right? So yeah, right. that's the box itself. One key component of the box is the Connect, which is now a mandatory part of the system and got a major upgrade. Actually, there's a lot of really neat things. I think it's actually a really smart move on their part to make it a mandatory part. Yeah. You- Cause, yeah, because now they can guarantee, kind of like on Nintendo with the motion controls yeah. and the gamepad. Now they no guarantee used, that everyone has it. Exactly. No one used Connect because it wasn't required and you had no... Yes, 14 million of them were out there, but the Xbox base is like 88 million. So if you're a developer, are you going to make a, a game that relies on Connect? Probably yeah, not. Probably That's only that. like a sliver of the user base. Yeah. But now they have to, which means pro- presumably some cool new innovative gameplay ideas. But um, in addition to being... A mandatory feature. It also has a lot of interesting new abilities. It can track uh, beyond basic body movement. It can now do like wrist movement, head tilts, faces. It can read your face. It can read your emotion, and your emotion can affect. Like it can change depending on the emotion. It can tell when you look away. It can read your heart rate based on micro movements in your skin, on your face. Like it can basically see your skin pulsing Man, from across like they, the room. I think they took the vitality sensor to a whole new level. Yeah, it's like, yeah, what happens to vitality sensor, by the way? Why didn't Nintendo just abandon that? It could have been cool. I don't know. I guess they were just like, hey, we, we're thinking about making this. I guess they had no idea what to do with it. Yeah. Who knows? But, um. Besides horror games. Yeah. But, or like Wii Fit You. Or Wii Fit, Wii Fit You might bring it back. No, now they have a pedometer. But anyway, um, it also, the new Kinect can see in the dark. You can be in a pitch black room and it can still see you just fine using different types of infrared. And uh, its voice controls are up the notch. And these voice controls are actually going to control everything about the Xbox, from turning it on, to switching features, to using the TV, to interacting with your games. It's kind of creepily, like I said, you turn it on by talking to it, which means that by default, the Xbox is constantly in a low-power listening state. Connect is always active, always listening, always watching, waiting for you to go, Xbox on. So if you use the words Xbox on in a normal sentence, yeah, if I'm like someone, like I don't want to put the Xbox on the counter, then it'll turn on and go, <laughs> and be like, hello, this is the Connect, welcome or whatever it does. Yeah, so I mean that that's really no different than like having your phone in your pocket with all those sensors that know where you are at any moment and can like listen to you technically at any time. But it's a little more big brothery because it's like in your living room with a giant camera pointing at your face. So, it, it isn't mandatory. Microphone. They'll be listening to you yeah. all the time. Yeah, it's not mandatory. It'll know when you turn on an other console. It will, and it'll cry. Oh, and I don't think the, Expo- I don't think the new Kinect's head bobbles like the old one. Which is sad, because that's one neat thing about it. But, um, the one it's going, the one going from hardware to software now, the one's going to use what, what, Intel, what Microsoft is calling a 3OS architecture. So, games will run on one kernel, apps will run on another kernel, and... Uh, TV switching stuff. stuff will be on a third kernel. 
or something like that. So basically, like, each thing's running its own OS, so it can switch instantly, which is kind of cool. They're showing that, like, you can literally go, like, live TV. You could say, like, live TV, and it'll switch, and then game, and it'll go back to your game, and it'll be paused exactly where you left it. So, like, if you're waiting for a game to start in multiplayer, you can switch to TV, and the Xbox will tell you your game's about to start, and you can jump back. Without having to, like, fiddle with anything, you just tell the Xbox to do it. And it'll alert you on screen, on top of your TV. Like, that's kind of neat. But, um, you can also snap any app to the side, which is very reminiscent of Windows 8 for those who have used it. So you can do things like have a Skype video call going in the corner while you play, and the game will reformat to fit the not-quite 16 by 9 screen, like it'll be letterboxed. And then you can even, through Skype, much like with PlayStation 4, uh, you can even have your friend take over your game if you're stuck somewhere. So that's that's a cool feature, and I wish Nintendo would somehow do that, but I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, and like I said, it does take over your TV. It has a TV interface that comes up. You can channel surf. You can look up shows by name, by channel name, by channel number, really however you want. And this uses either HDMI to do it or an infrared blast, and it hooks into your current cable box. It does not replace your cable box, at least not yet. I imagine down the road it will. I mean, Comcast, if you have Xfinity cable, you can use your 360 as a cable box. So I imagine that'll work down the road, but for now you have to... For now, there's the possibility that if you're playing, if you tell your Xbox One, uh, take me to channel 22, it'll hear channel 2, and your cable box will be on channel 22 still, or, you know, like, there could be a discrepancy, like, your, your cable box could be set to channel 2 while you're looking, while your Xbox tells you you're on channel 22, or vice versa, the IR could be blocked somehow, so there's that risk. A lot like how Nintendo TV, very similar to Nintendo TV, this is just spice, this is just, like, a bigger version of Nintendo TV, but like with Nintendo TV... If you're not pointing the t- uh, the gamepad at your TV when you tell it to change the channel, it'll think you're on the channel, even if you're not on the channel. So it's the same issue. But, yeah, now that I think about it, all this TV stuff is basically Nintendo TV 2.0 yeah. by Microsoft. Yep. It's I mean, it's really smart from Microsoft's perspective because uh, they want more they, 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 the Xbox has always been a Trojan horse for them. From the beginning, Bill Gates was saying, we want to take over the living room, we want a device that takes over the living room, and they felt the easiest way to do it was through a video game console. Once that's established, they could branch out. And we started to see it with the the 360, excuse me. Like, when it first came out, it was definitely a game system, but over time, they started adding Netflix, they started adding Connect voice commands, they started tying it in with a cable box. Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, Twitter, Facebook, Last.fm, they tied it all in. You can browse photos on there, you can hook it up to your Windows computer and project things over to it. Like, over time, it became kind of this, like, all-in-one device, and now the Xbox One is really that original pipe dream of taking over the living room finally realized. But what I think is interesting about it is that now that the dream's fulfilled, Microsoft, I want to say they're putting games on the back burner, but games aren't the number one thing on it. Even if they say otherwise... Doesn't mean they're not putting as much effort into Yeah, it's just not the top thing. Because the thing is, yeah, Microsoft's got a big E3 blowout of games, and yeah, Microsoft is going to keep making games, and they said they have 15 new first-party titles in the first year of development, half of which or something like that are brand new intellectual properties, which is pretty big. But at the same time, when you put your first, when you, when the first thing you show, when you put your first foot forward when revealing a console, and you show like a TV device, essentially, then you kind of go, okay, games, TV, anything that fits into living room entertainment is now on equal footing. The Xbox is not a game system that does this other stuff. Like, the Wii U and the PS4 are both Game systems that happen to have video streaming and other features. And, I mean, Sony's come out and said we're a game system. Nintendo's come out and called the Wii U a game system. Microsoft's calling it an all-in-one home entertainment device. So games and everything are now literally even. Microsoft considers them all roughly the same. They're all entertainment. I mean, you can see this with what they announced at the event. Like, sure, Halo was at the event, 
But it wasn't a game. It was an Xbox-exclusive streaming television show produced by Steven Spielberg. Then you have, like, NFL integration. Not for, like, you know, interesting new things in Madden, but as a mix of, like, uh, fantasy football that happens in real time with the game you're watching and other overlays over what you're watching. Like, it's more about what, when you're watching football, you can do this other stuff. Or, like, even, uh, they had a game called Quantum Break. It's from the Alan Wake people, so it's a very narrative, story-driven game. The game plays out through live shot TV-style scenes, like, as if you're watching a TV show, and then it switches to rendered gameplay. Like, it goes back and forth. So even that, which is, like, the one game they sh- Microsoft showed, one of a few games Microsoft showed, the other being Forza 5, even Call in that case, and Call of Duty and the EA Sports games, even in that case, though, like, one of the four games they chose to show was half TV. Like, it's clear that games and TV are now at par- are now on, par- on parity, is that the right term? They're now equal to each other in Microsoft uh, Microsoft's eyes, and they're fulfilling that long-lost dream of the home entertainment box, which is what in, like, 1999 they were talking about doing. Like, they've tried this before, and now it's when they're actually doing it. But, of course, like I did say, games are still a big part, and uh, Microsoft did make a few announcements there, saving most of the stuff for their E3 press conference, which is Monday, June 10th. Uh, what they did announce is EA Sports will have exclusive Xbox Live features, or Xbox One only features. Call of Duty Ghosts will have DLC that comes to Xbox first, just like on 360. Uh, Xbox Live has been upgraded with some new abilities that actually sound cool, and a lot like the PS4s. One that's right out of PS4 is what they're calling the Game DVR, where you can record, edit, and upload gameplay that you have played to the web. It can rewind, I think, up to 15 minutes at any moment. So if you do something cool, you don't even have to, like, hit record. It just has it in the cloud. And you can just re-download it, edit it, and send it out there. Which is a kind of a step above Sony, because I believe Sony, you have to tell it, I want to record before you start recording. So it's kind of cool that with Xbox, you can at any time I, know, just I mean, I thought the idea was, like, you're just playing, you just press the share button, and that's it. Oh, right, yeah, you're right. Sony has it the same. They remember up to 10 or 15 minutes, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, you're right. It, you can choose to live stream to Ustream, if, or post to YouTube. Yeah. You post to YouTube, you have what you just did. If you choose to live stream, you have to tell it, I want to live stream, yeah, and then it'll start. Yeah, but... Uh, there's also, yeah, they're also, sorry, they're also adding what they're calling smarter matchmaking, which I mentioned earlier, that's like, you can, you know, do something else on the system and it'll say, hey, your game's about to start, and you can jump back, or you can uh, be paired with more fair competitors, and they're going to have more filters to prevent the 12-year-olds that scream curse words at you, all that. And then the controller itself, which was redesigned, the biggest thing that's new, and this actually sounds really cool, and I would love to see this on the gamepad, is the shoulder buttons have their own vibration motors in them. So, like... If you're hitting the gas on a car, the right trigger, which would represent the right pedal, will vibrate, but nothing else. If you shoot a bullet, you can, like, feel the bullet leave the gun by, like, the, you know, the rumble starting in the main controller and coming up to the trigger, so to speak. Like, there's a lot of cool uses of that. And they can control exactly where you feel the rumble in the controller. It has, like, three different points of rumble now. So that that's kind of neat. And from what I was reading, it actually sounds like it works very well. But uh, the one I thing that... Spared no expense. They did. I mean, they yeah. apparently went through... Like, something like 200 different uh, controller design prototypes. Or something crazy like that. But, like I said a little bit ago, what Microsoft didn't announce is uh, is perhaps more of a big story and more perplexing. And that was that they didn't confirm long-standing rumors of how game purchasing will work, or if always online is required. Uh, what we... They sort of, like, they've been conflicting themselves, but what we basically know is the console is going to have to phone home. It's going to have to connect a couple, you know, every so often. Some have said 24 hours, some have said 48 hours. And these sums, by the way, are different executives of the same company. 
Like, they don't even know. But they're still figuring it out. But it will have to phone home. It will have to be connected. You don't have to play your games online, but it has to be online every so often so you can keep playing your games offline. Which is kind of like messed up DRM in a way. Because, like, you know, well, if you're on a military base and you're not allowed to take your Xbox online for security purposes. You know, something like that. Uh, there's also confusion over how buying games even works. Uh, apparently, which... <laughs> that, that sounds ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. That's like... How we am I like, buy games from my console? I mean, I'll put it this way. We like to poke fun at Nintendo having, like, weird, archaic DRM for their games. Like, you know, it's by system, not by not by account. But just listen to this. So you buy a disc, right? You buy a disc of a game. You put it in your Xbox One. It installs the game by default. Mandatory installation. Like some PS3 games. Yeah, it, you but have to install the whole game onto the console. Once it's installed, you don't need the disc anymore. And you enter a serial number when you enter when you put in the disc. Or the system does it's a serial a computer. number. It's literally a PC. Now, I don't know if you personally have to put in a serial number or if it just matches it, but it ties it to your Xbox Live profile. So if you then take your game to your friend's house and want to play it there, you have two options. One, you either log into your Xbox Live account on his Xbox, which means he can't, like, you know, do anything with the game from his account. Or you let him install the game, which is free, but if you then choose to play said installation, it costs full MSRP, $60 presumably, to play the game that you just walked over in your hand to his house. Basically, what they're doing is they're saying, this is one of the quotes, uh, Phil Harrison, who used to work at Sony in the PS3 days, early PS3 days, is now working at Microsoft, and he said something along the lines of, I might be miscoing slightly, but the, you physically own the bits on the disc, but you don't have the digital permission to use those bits until it's installed and paid for. Wow. So what you're buying, what you're buying isn't the game, you're buying the bits, and then when you put it in your Xbox, the Xbox goes, oh, you paid for those bits, here's your digital permission. Which is horrible wording. I know what he was trying to say, but you don't call something... You don't say you have permission to play the $60 game you just bought. You don't... That doesn't fly. Like, that's awful. Like, you paid for it. That's like... That's like going to a basketball court with a basketball. And then after shooting two hoops, someone comes in and goes, Well, thanks for using our basketball. We're taking it back now, even though you paid for it. Bye! And just leaves with your basketball. Like, it doesn't make sense. I mean, assuming this is true... It, it's true. The question is, will it stick? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is one good thing to be really happy about for yeah. Nintendo. Yeah, for once, Nintendo isn't the most archaic, weird DRM out there. And that explains why EA dropped their online pass recently, where you had to, if you wanted to, if you buy a I mean, used game. And, and Nintendo, they feel like it's not even, like, them really doing it on purpose. It's no, Nintendo's just... It's, it's like them not really knowing how to make it bliss. work. Ignorance is bliss. In this it's case, work. ignorance is I mean, bliss. And it kind of works. Like, I mean, like, don't... Like, literally the only time I've ever... Whatever kind of frustrated me was this week when they released Ghosts and Goblins. Yeah. Or, no, Ghouls and Ghosts, the first one. Yeah. And I'm like, I literally just bought this on the 3DS. And I yeah, that's something Wii they need to fix. They really need a unified 3DS and Wii U shops. At least give me like a discount. No, uh, no, for something like that. I would have even paid. Honestly, for, for something like that, I mean, even Xbox has this right. Like, if you're logged into your account, you can access it on any device you want. That's how it should be. If you're buying the same emulation of the same game, just on a different system, it should be one purchase, multiple systems. I can't understand going I mean, from yeah. Wii to Wii yeah. U because those were different uh, setups, different shops, different... Everything was different. But now that the eShop is like the same basic format know, on you both have the systems... On the eShop. Yeah, on just the make the jump, Nintendo. Do that last little bit. I mean, bit. I guess they have like 50% off. Like, I mean, I got Mega Man X, so this so Gold, yeah. Gold and Ghost is like 250 but, but even still, then, you shouldn't have to pay those 250 You just paid 5 bucks on your 3DS I, like, I, I want to post pictures of them. I'm the hoping... Neighbors. I'm hoping... I don't... Yeah. I don't <laughs> think... With the little icon that says I own it. Yes, yeah, so the little play button. The little play check mark. Mm-hmm. I don't 
think Nintendo's going to address this at E3, but I would love if at E3 Direct, we're unifying the eShops. It's going to be one account based on your Nintendo Network ID. It'll come out the same time as Miiverse on 3DS. That'd be the only time I can see it working is when the Miiverse on 3DS happens. But they need to... Maybe that's why it's taking so long. Because they're... Maybe, maybe they're doing one bit. Yeah. I'm sure they're trying to fiddle with it. In Here's some the thing way. they have a record of it all. Go look at your Club Nintendo account. It knows every game you download on every system. They could very easily match those games. It's not that. Just tie your Club Nintendo to your Nintendo Network ID. And I don't know. Half I mean, the problem solved. Already cl- yeah, yeah it's, it's really it's weird. weird. But at least it's not as bad as Microsoft with all this. Because, like, another thing about the Xbox One is you can't. Uh, you can buy, You can sell your games used. They made sure of that. But Microsoft is controlling the used game market in some way. It was some rumor has it, or some source was saying, or something that like you'll have to. You take it to GameStop, they scan it, and then it is pinged on a Microsoft database somewhere, and it's like you know uh, Johnny Rocket two two eight no longer owns uh, Halo eighty two. I don't know why so there'd be eighty two. Pu- so, so, so then if you go home, you return the disc. You lose the game, you get your money back, which apparently Microsoft is handling all that. The but then you lose, yeah, then if you go home, you can't play it, which makes sense because that stops piracy, and that's really smart to curb piracy and to curb people from abusing the system. But if you sell it to a friend, you don't have the option of pinging Microsoft's server. Like, I'm sure if people out there are like, oh, I don't want this game anymore, you want it for 20 bucks? Sure. Nope, you now have to go to GameStop, sell it to them. They now decide it's worth thirty five bucks, and your friend has to go there and pay the full thirty five or the full sixty or whatever you know Microsoft didn't Wait, and make. And that won't bypass the. It won't bypass. That's my point. What I'm saying is, you can't sell what a game what to what someone that's not an authorized Microsoft person. And no, no, like, no, well, that's it because I mean that that's their way of getting around their own. Like, okay, um, every used game will, in theory, be already have the bits sold. So yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what would made this much easier you have to for pay Microsoft? Because the then you have to pay the full GameStop price and the full MSRP. You know what would made this much easier for Microsoft? Just run the game off the disc like most people, like most things do. Basically, what this is is it's a download console. It's a download only console where your downloads just happen to be physical discs. Like they're treating it like a download console. They should just get rid of the game. They should either get rid of the disc, or they yeah, should let I mean, you treat the disc like a disc. Like they can't do this weird in between. It's really like because essentially, like I don't know. Even though Steam, like a lot of the games you download, like even though they're only stuck there for essentially, mm-hmm. like. Oh, doesn't you, feel like yeah, a problem. Yeah, you don't, yeah you, don't, you don't feel the problem. Because you're buying a download. You know what you're going into. With this, you're buying a retail thing, a physical object that you can carry with you to where you want to carry it. And then you're told when you get there, no, you can't do that. If they made a download, you know the restrictions of a download when you download it. But if you get a retail disc, it doesn't work the same. But Microsoft is trying to make it work the same. And that's where the problem lies. And that's where the controversy is. And Microsoft claims they're listening. Uh, Major Nelson, they're, you know, they're... they're uh, like community liaison, he said they're listening. They understand. They're you know they'll have more to say in the future. But clearly, they're trying to do a download structure in, in a world where download structures don't exist, a physical yeah, world. Yeah. And clearly, they're trying to do it to curb piracy I mean, and keep the, the best, publishers happy. But I mean, usually, the best way to stop piracy is to provide a better system. And this is the worst one. I mean, just like a, <laughs> I mean, just to bring up Steam again. Yeah. I mean, they made it so easy to get all these games they also give you crazy deals and it's more convenient to access your games it's much better it's the same with the music industry it's it's much better than pirating it's the same with the music industry it's super easy to go buy a song off iTunes or go stream it off Spotify with a monthly account for 10 bucks than it is to go find it on Rapid Share or on Pirate or you know like the Pirate Bay or not even getting a big version of it exactly and then you get like this subpar version where someone for some reason is talking about tomato sauce on top of the song you know for sure you're getting the best quality one yeah exactly it's worth the trade-off, and it's the right price. The problem is Microsoft is not making it the right price or making it worth the trade-off, and that's where the issue lies. Something that is beyond just Xbox, though. So which, that's, is, which is the same, because that alone is turning off a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people. 
one one Make, yeah. one interesting thing though uh, about Xbox and actually PlayStation Four as well, Xbox One and PlayStation Four is they're both. I mentioned this earlier, but they're both using the same architecture. Like this is going away from the used game thing, but they're both using the same architecture, which is based on I believe I'm saying this correctly the X eight eighty six processor and current in a lot of current PCs. They're both showing a PC architecture. It means multi platform uh, releases are easier. It's easier to port back and forth. It's easier to develop because it's just a PC. Like, it's more of a PC than ever. Yeah. So, essentially, it's really going to come down to taste, whether you want the PlayStation exclusives or the Xbox Yeah, because in terms of architecture, they're basically the same. Xbox has the advantage of the cloud computing. Sony has the advantage of more... They seem to be more about a gamer network than even Xbox Live is based on what we've heard. But this leaves the Wii U in a very weird position because the Wii U is based on the old PowerPC processors that were based... Pro- like, yeah, that uh, were driving the current HD generation. PowerPC processors of some sort were used in PS3 and in 360. Excuse me, PS3 did have the cell processor, but there's also a PowerPC architecture under that. So this could be a problem because if it's a lot harder to jump from a PowerPC to an x86 processor for porting that is to go, well, they're both x86 and they're both, or they're both PowerPC, but we can, you know, nips and tucks because they're different chipsets, but it's the same core idea. This is literally more hoops to jump through for a system, the Wii U, that already has a lot of hoops to jump through, be it low sales, low third-party sales specifically, you know, lack people of not, interest. People not knowing what to do with it. People not knowing what to do with it, yeah. People not deciding it's worth their time, deciding it's not worth their time. So I could see this actually becoming a problem for Nintendo. I mean, Engadget is the one that pointed this out, and they put together an article in which they basically said that, yeah, it's going to be an issue because of those hurdles. Like, the PS4 and the Xbox One, or as it's been endearingly called by the internet, the X-Bone, um, they will have a big problem, not just like, oh, you have to downscale the graphics, but now it's like you have to rebuild what it's running on. Like, you remember with Windows, uh, I think it was Windows Vista they started doing this. You had two program folders. You had program folders and then program folders x86. And, like, yeah. some apps were in one and some were in the other. That's what we're dealing with. That was the transition for computers at the time. So now it's like, like, they ran separately. They ran independently, but they both ran concurrently. So now we have a Wii. Is Mac kind of with their whole 64-bit and 32-bit? Yeah, yeah, kind of the same idea. So now it's, like, the same thing, but the Wii U is the old school one. And the PS4 and the Xbox One are, like, the new ones. So it's just one more big hurdle. Well, it's full-on Dreamcast mode right now. Sort of. And yeah, it's like, yeah, they're just, developers aren't going to have motivation. I mean, I guess the question is, was there any way Nintendo could have seen this coming? I mean, obviously, multi-platform is important, which is why they made such a big point about how easy it is to port to their system. But, and technology, you know, technology advanced. The x86 thing started already. Like, we've seen it in computers, so it's just a matter of time for consoles. Should Nintendo... Nintendo usually is like I a step or two behind out step. They're usually like out of step with everything. But are they this out of step or did they just not think of it? It almost like, feels like Nintendo was always in a bubble. Yeah, I feel like more so now. Because I guess with this one, they're just like, well, I let's mean, make it like the PS3 and 360 and hoped they'd last more than a year with the Wii U out. I mean, you think they'd know or have access to the best technology available. They do. They just choose. Nintendo, the thing about Nintendo is they're a very conservative company in terms of, like, they're very, like, Japanese companies in general are more conservative and Nintendo even more so in the sense Japanese that... Japanese culture revolves around having the best technology. Yes, but Nintendo is very yeah, conservative yeah. in how they spend their money in the sense that the gamepad has <laughs> a single touch. It's single touch. Yeah. Multi-touch has been around since the iPhone in 2007. The gamepad came out in 2012 and was one of the last single touch things I've seen it's still the old touchscreen technology that is better with a stylus. Nothing is, uses a... Sure, Galaxy phones use a stylus, but not 
with the touchscreen that's built for a stylus, they like use some hovering technology or something. Like the touchscreen on the gamepad is literally the same touchscreen on the DS in 2004, just bigger and brighter and more colorful. So like Nintendo so is always conservative. Doesn't mean it's bad. They spend a ton of money. No, but they spend a ton. It doesn't. It, awesome it serves its purpose. Yeah, they spend a ton of money on their R and D, but then when it comes time to mass producing, they go with the most conservative, cheapest options that guarantee a solid product. Still, so they could do multi-touch, but they don't. They could do x86 processors, but they don't. The advantage of them doing PowerPC is they are able to have backwards compatibility, which was the main thing with the Wii U. Because they're trying to hook Wii owners into getting a Wii. So it's like, oh, it works with your Wii games. PS1, or PS4 and Xbox One cannot do backwards compatibility because the architecture change means um, you can't natively run those games on the system and they're not going to put in a separate, entirely separate architecture to do it. PS4, Sony's circumventing that on PS4 with, um, they're going to stream them to Gaikai. Microsoft has outright said, if you're interested in backwards compatibility, you're doing it wrong. That's essentially what they said. Like, they said you're backwards. I think, yeah, I think that's what it was. If you're interested in backwards compatibility, you're backwards. Like, they don't think that's an issue. They're not concerned. And they're actually going to keep selling the Xbox in parallel to so the Xbox else, One. How else are they going to say that, like, oh, um, we're releasing this console with a library of over 10,000 yeah, games yeah. out of the box? Well, it's interesting because with uh, PS... Sorry, Xbox One, Microsoft's going to keep selling the 360 alongside for a while. And they actually have some major announcements involving the 360 scheduled for E3. Like, they're going to be running them, selling them concurrently, like the PS2 and PS3 were at first. So, who knows what that means. But, um, yeah, so Wii U does have backwards compatibility, and it's just like, will the major publishers make the jump, be willing to jump through hoops? Because right now, they have the advantage that a lot of PS4 and, and uh, Xbox One games are also coming to PS3 and 360, because the user bases will be small at first. You know, Watch Dogs, Call of Duty Ghosts, uh... I feel like I'm forgetting a ton. Dying Light. I'm forgetting a ton, but all these high-profile fall releases are going to be both current-gen and next-gen. So it's very easy to bring to Wii U, should they choose to do so. They choose not to in most cases. But, you know, the, if it's on 360 and PS3, you just port it. But once they give up 360 and PS3, then they're like, well, should we go through the effort of making a Power PC based version? And if so, it's only for the Wii U. Is it worth the money? So that's where the issue lies. So hopefully the Wii U is selling boatloads by then. That yeah, way, I mean, that's a year, that's it. probably a year or two out. So if Nintendo can turn things around with their game lineup, they'll be fine. And there's also, of course, tons of developers that, you know, they think the Wii is perfectly powerful. They're happy developing for the Wii U and not worrying about, like, this I mean, sort of issue or I making mean, unique Wii U experiences. I mean, I don't know, not to put in a bad word, but like, don't they technically still have, like, enough money to release, like, a few more... Nintendo? Yeah, like, they're fine. Like, failing consoles. Yeah, they could bomb, like, one or two more times. <laughs> but uh but no and i but like i was saying just because this is a good transition sort of uh there are companies that are gonna keep supporting town no doubt i mean shine and multimedia they did uh nano stray back in the day and then uh they most recently did now the nano salt games on wii u and 3ds they did they're working on jet rocket 2 for the 3ds eShop. they actually have come out and said that they're perfectly happy with the power of the wii u they're perfectly happy to develop for it even you know even though ps1 or I keep doing that. Xbox One and PS4 will have a different architecture. That's fine, because these Shining will just develop games for the Wii U and not have to worry about the cross-compatibility issues. And they were saying, um, speaking with Game Reactor, their art director, Martin Sauter, I think is how you say it, was saying that, and I quote, I think we've reached a point where we don't need so much uh, so much more hardware power. We need better games. For every game you can make, it look... For every, sorry, I'm... You can wow. make it look yeah, you can make it look so good that it's good enough for every for everybody. And I think the Wii U is a good compromise between price point because don't forget you have a title controller, you have a great hardware base, and it's 
uh, much better than every than everybody reads. It's better than Xbox. Sorry, it's better. I assume he means 360. And you can squeeze lots out of it. But you have to really work hard on it, and I think you can make great games with it. In other words, yeah, it's got a different architecture. Yeah, it's going to not necessarily be cross-compatible. But if you put the effort in, it will reward you, and you'll make games that are worth There's playing. There's the attitude we That's need. It. That's the attitude. Of course, the flip side yeah, is... He, indie should, he should go door-to-door to every developer. He should. Like, like, like a, there for moments to like like a Bible salesman, but be like... Do you have a moment to listen to the, 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 the Psalms of the Wii U? <laughs> but no, uh, of course, this is an indie dev. So there's a little different. Because the main issue is that Engadget raised is will third-party publishers, major parties, Activision, Ubisoft, etc., will they make? Will they be hesitant to start supporting the system with the different architecture? And I, I, it's hard to say. I mean, we are gonna keep getting indie devs that do it. Shinin did. Renegade Kid probably isn't going anywhere. Uh, Way Forward isn't going anywhere. There's, a, you know, the list goes on for a while of the ones that really are gung ho about Nintendo. But there are a few big party, big third parties that are equally gung ho. I mean, Ubisoft is bringing their entire fall lineup essentially to the Wii U. Uh, Warner Brothers, as we've talked about before, is super big on the Wii U. So it'll be interesting to see. Like, they have all their major games except Dying Light. So it'll be interesting like to Capcom see... Capcom up in the air. It's really Capcom, Yeah, Capcom seems like they're willing to. They're it's just like waiting it, to see. It, it's kind of like they're keeping... Like, I mean, it's clear they have Nintendo franchises yeah. for Nintendo. Yeah. But they have their other... I mean, like, remember me, I don't think that's coming to Wii U. No. But, it, yeah, it's clear Capcom is deciding on a case-by-case basis, but they're not ruling anything out. And then Sega, as yeah. we discussed... And they're kind of bringing fighting games over. I'm just kind of nervous. It'll just take them. time, yeah. yeah. But, and then there's Sega, who... They obviously have the deal with Nintendo for Sonic... They also bring Yakuza, but as we discussed a uh, one or two episodes ago, yeah, but still, it's happening. Yeah. But as we discussed an episode two, episode or two ago, uh, they're also the most number of SKUs they're releasing this year. That's individual products is on Wii U and PS3 tied, so they're still supporting it pretty strongly. So we're interested to see if those companies that are currently supporting it continue supporting it after the PS3 and 360 fade out and X86 ar- architectures take over. It's really hard to say. But, you know, it's just it's, it boils down to what's the best business decision and what they want to do creatively and where things stand and that juncture. So it's just something to be aware of that now that we know enough about both consoles, the Xbox One and the PS4, that we have a new issue beyond just, well, they're more powerful. They're also based on entirely different chipsets than the Wii U. So that's just one more hurdle. It is a long way to go to just say that point. But, you know, interesting discussion along the way, I like to think. Um one last interesting side effect, actually, of the Xbox One announcement. And by the way, the Xbox One itself actually sounds pretty cool. Like, as an all-in-one device, it sounds like it has a lot of very cool features. It's, it'll just be interesting to see how Microsoft positions it and whether their arrogance is going to cause them problems. Because they are acting like Sony acted with the PS3 at launch. They literally said that they hope to sell a billion. Wow. A billion. One billion Xbox Ones. I mean, that's Sony arrogance. That's 2006 Sony arrogance right there. Like, there's some curse. When you have a super successful console, the next one, you're kind of arrogant. Nintendo did it from Wii to Wii U. Sony did it from PS2 to PS3. Now it's Xbox 360, Xbox One. It's They get too big for their britches. Yeah. But an interesting side effect of the Xbox One unveiling is that Wii U sales actually went up immediately following, at least in the UK. Uh, Amazon UK saw a 386% increase in Wii U Deluxe Set purchases, which rose from number 243 on their charts to number 50 in the hours after the Xbox unveiling. Now, who knows why? You can't really say definitively that the Xbox One caused the sale increase, but it's kind of interesting that there's that huge jump so close to the actual 
unveiling. Plus, it's a bit. It was a bigger Didn't jump. Like Sony stock rise also. Yeah, Sony stock went up. Nintendo stock went up. It's hard to say if any of this is definitively because of Xbox, but Sony's or Nintendo's went up by like two point two percent. I think Sony went up by about eleven percent, which is huge. Uh, and the and the and the jump that the UK saw on Amazon that's a bigger jump than any temporary price cut has led to. It's like a lot of people are like, oh, well, that's that. I'll go buy the Wii U now. It's just weird. Like, it's really hard to say what it means or if it's indicative of lack of interest crazy in the Xbox One. Crazy coincidence, but I'm sure some of those sales were attributed to that. It's a crazy coincidence. It has to be more than a coincidence, but you can never say it is. Like, you can never prove it. Yeah. But And that's it for news. That was a, uh, that was a lot of cover, but of course, with our platforming theme of the episode, it is a platforming paradise, so we're not even done with the platforming. We have three games to share our impressions of. Donkey Kong Country Returns 3D. Super Metroid, and the not-at-all-platforming-related, but whatever, we're throwing it in for good measure, Tekken Tag Tournament 2 Wii U Edition. So let's start with uh, DK. Donkey Kong Country Returns 3D, we had the opportunity to go hands-on with uh, the full game, although only, obviously, we didn't play the full game, but we went hands-on with the full game. Well, I played the full game on the Wii. Yeah, I mean, I I meant the 3DS (laughs) version. At the Los Angeles Zoo, because for those of you who may have been to the site recently, um, before this episode... Nintendo took over the LA Zoo, and we run, we have an extra about it on the site, Nintendo.com. It's called Conquering the LA Zoo. I'm just going to say, on record, my favorite pun ever on the site. Uh, <laughs> Conquering the LA Zoo, we have photos from the event. We have um, a description of what happened. In a nutshell, I encourage you to check out the photos, but in a nutshell, nutshell, Nintendo took over the LA Zoo for a week, for Memorial Day weekend. They put... Donkey Kong barrels in the gorilla enclosure, so the monkeys were actually eating bananas out of Donkey Kong barrels and digging through and throwing around Donkey Kong barrels, which is kind of funny. Then they had a guy in a Donkey Kong costume around to take photos, and they had demo. They had 16 demo units of the game running, and they had signs everywhere for Donkey Kong. It's a pretty big thing, and they were there all Memorial Weekend, which was super crowded, as we can both attest to, since we were there. It took like getting off the freeway. the The zoo oh, is yeah, literally the zoo is literally a block from the freeway exit. It took us 45 minutes to get from the lane that goes off the freeway into the exit to the parking lot. And it's like the length of a city block, maybe. Maybe two. It is nuts. But uh, yeah, so the event itself was pretty cool. Like I said, check out the extra Conquering the LA Zoo to see what it was all about. And, you know, we got to hug Donkey Kong. We got to hug Donkey Kong. Well, I didn't hug him. I just put my arm around him. He gave me. He wanted to give me a high five. Apparently, that's. I, no, you left him hanging. I didn't know. You drove him bananas. I didn't know. I, I know. I, I drove him bananas. He went ape. He went ape blank. <laughs> Can't say that or we'll get our explicit. Oh, tag. Uh, I, I, he you went mean, ape. Uh, yeah, I wasn't gonna say that. You didn't, didn't <laughs> oh, but anyway, the game itself. That's what we're gonna talk about here. He ruffled his tie. I did not ruffle his tie. Well, he, well, he did. He uh, was angry. Yeah, he he threw a barrel at. Him. No, he didn't. He kidnapped a princess and climbed a bunch of. A bunch of girders and threw a barrel at me. If only. Anyway, the game itself. So, Donkey Kong Country Returns, um, we talked about it before. We've always been kind of on the fence about the 3DS version because it really is, at its core, the same game. But there are some definite pluses to the 3DS version, in my opinion. It looks great in 3D. Like, the game, we've talked, I mean, Jose, you've said it before specifically that the game looks like it was always made for 3D and you always wanted it in 3D. Yep. And now it's in 3D and it looks really good. Like, one of the better. Unfortunately, I mean, it was more the, like, man, I wish this was always in 3D from the beginning yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. But it looked really good, and there's a lot of, like, paper. it's one of those things that, like, it's not, like, a showstopper. Like, it's not, like, a, this is why the 3DS has 3D, like, Paper Mario Luigi's Mansion kind of were. 
but it uses it very well and it looks really good. And personally, I prefer the fact I prefer that this version now has button presses to represent motion controls. Now, motion wasn't ever a huge issue; it's just like shake the controller. But yeah, it just feels more responsive. To I know the, the only thing you differ was for smacking the ground, which makes sense. I mean, you're shaking the controller. No, I know, but it's just or for blowing. I don't know. It's just there's in terms only of only one of which was actually used for actual gameplay, and right. even then, it was on stationary objects. You never actually had to shake and move at the same. Oh, yeah, like to do your roll jump. But even then... Point being... I don't know. Yeah, regardless of how you use it, to me, just having a button to press is more responsive and more just, like... Not even... I wouldn't say natural, because shaking is natural if you're trying to shake the ground. But it's just, like, a button just feels more responsive and more instant than any sort of motion. Because with the motion, it's like, okay, I'm shaking now. Like, you make the conscious thing, I'm shaking now. It happened now. Well, with the button, just pressing it, it goes. And you don't really um, think about it. I guess. I don't know. I, I, guess, I, I, I guess I just paid enough that it, it became, like... Nature, right? Yeah, I don't know. I just prefer button presses. I think Mario Galaxy kind of prepped me for that because because I was fine with... because it used the shake as like your extra spin jump. Yeah, you know so, what I think it, you know so I think that, it is. So by that point, I just just to be clear. I don't not like motion control. I was fine with it in yeah. the in the Wii version. I think just overall, now that I've played both, I just prefer buttons. They just feel more instantly responsive. There's nothing wrong with motion. There's nothing like not second nature about it to me. It's just like a button just feels more soft. It's like trying to play a 3D platformer on a phone where you're using a virtual joystick and a fake button versus having that instant feedback of knowing you press the button. Like, there have been instances in Mario Galaxy or Donkey Kong where I thought I shook it, but I guess I didn't shake it hard enough, or I, or something where it might not have registered. There's some games that had that happen. With a button, you're 100% well, yeah, guaranteed. I mean, everyone's experience is yeah. different. Yeah, obviously it's personal preference, but I'm just saying, like, I had no issue with the motion controls. I just think I prefer the buttons. Yeah, the buttons, but they also felt really tiny after the... Well, yeah, the 3DS has smaller buttons. Oh, yeah, that's right. But, um, but yeah, I will, I will say, though, uh, and the new mode is kind of nice. It was nice to have some extra lives, cause especially since I've been playing it a while. I was a little rusty, and I kept running into things. Also because the sun was shining on the screen, but that's not the issue. Uh, it is an excuse. But, um, yeah, so I, mean, I don't know if I'd rebuy the game necessarily, but I did enjoy my time with it. It looks, even the, the silhouette levels look really cool in 3D. The, I mean, the normal levels do too, obviously, but the silhouettes look really cool because it really draws out the background since you don't really see the foreground. It's just a shadow. But, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's one of those things, like, if you've never played Donkey Kong, based on what I play the Wii version, it's a super, super, and what I tried to demo, it is a super, super good platformer. It's very creative. It really lives up to Donkey Kong Country franchise's name. So if you've never played it, this is, I'd argue, the definitive version. But if you have played it, I'm not sure if there's a reason to go back. Yeah. That's same, my take. Yeah, the same here. Don't, only if you didn't really have it. Or, I guess, I don't know. I was on the fence about it. For a long time, it was only because they played it beforehand. I'm pretty sure if the demo kiosk wasn't there, I might have ended up cave. But I'm kind of glad we played it beforehand. Right, because you save money. Because you realize it is the same game at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, that's... I don't understand why... Maybe I didn't play the first one to death. I played that game... I played the single-player campaign by myself, and Mm -hmm. then I played it again with my brother, and we 100%ed it. Uh, So I already kind of had my first share of Donkey Kong by that Yeah, but I think it's... I mean, I think it's for people who... Like I said, for people who have never played it, don't miss this game. It's really good. It's just... Yeah, one... It's just like the whole Resident Evil thing. If you didn't play on the the 3DS or don't have one, play it on the console. Yeah, play Resident Evil Revolution. But but you have to play... I mean, it's just another chance. Yeah. Yeah, the main... I guess the main thing we can say now is that... now that we actually have because we've been kind of saying this we've been saying this since the game was announced like why does this exist blah blah blah. but now that we've played it I can 100% say I don't necessarily have a reason to go back but it's definitely worth the first trip so to Donkey Kong Country see there's a pun there of sorts because it's a trip to Donkey Kong Country you're returning oh I don't know if it's worth returning to Donkey Kong Country again if you already did on the Wii 
I know I'm just rehashing the same point. I'm just trying to come up with a pun. Anyway, so that in a nutshell is Donkey Kong. The real reason I brought it up, or we brought it up, I should say, is to mention that extra on the site. Because there's some kind of... There's an uh, there's an amazing picture, just by chance we got, of a gorilla, like, clinging against a wall as a barrel rolls past him. Because he's, like, freaked out the barrel's going to hit him or something. Like, you can't get that normally. Because there's not normally Donkey Kong barrels. But there were. And he dodged. And it rolled. And we photographed. So that's Donkey Kong, in a nutshell. Um... Another game that we've been playing, you more so than me, Jose, so you can take the lead on this, I guess, is Super... Oh, my virtual console thing has been busy. The, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the, well, Super Metroid for the Wii virtual console is what I was starting to say, yeah. Uh, yeah, you also have Mega Man X, if you want to touch on that, too. Feel free. Yeah. You want to do both? We can yeah, do both. Why not? Yeah. Okay, so we'll Super Metroid first, Mega Man X second. Surprise! Bonus impressions, and then we'll wrap up with Tekken Tag Tournament 2. So... So, Super Metroid, if you played it on anything else and you know what to expect. By anything, oh yeah, it's on other virtual console, yeah. Yeah, or Super Nintendo, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know, I mean, it's a really fun game, tight controls. <laughs> One thing that did... <laughs> wow, okay. I don't, I don't know what was, what was up with that intro, but anyway. Um, it's just weird because you were like, it was like, it was like you didn't know what to say, so you just kind of rambled and hoped to form something that made sense. Yeah. Fun game, tight controls. Well, I mean, you play I was, this girl, you're this girl in this armor, and, yeah, I mean, and there's these alien jellyfish, and because I mean, there's not much to explain. You just, I mean, it's just a, it's a defense. It's an, exp- it's a game about exploring. They don't really tell you what to do. You just go around. You you, best, you definitely figure everything out for yourself, and you figure it out by. By trial and error, you shoot. You, you shoot. don't figure it out by posting to me versus stupid questions, which everyone seems to be doing. How do I get past this door? How do I stop this jellyfish? Like, like, like most of the. And by the way, the jellyfishes are called Metroids. Young me versus users, Metroids. Yeah, Metroids. So yes, anyway. and you're playing as Samus Aran, who's a female, not Metroid, who's a male. Continue, and not Master Chief. Don't even bring him into the picture. Keep going. All right, <laughs> sorry. So the game pretty much goes like this: you you walk along, you see a door or something, you shoot at it, it doesn't open. You keep going. You find something that that later like opens that door. So then you go back, you open the door, you find something else that hinders your progress, and then you kind of find later. It, it, it's that's the best description. It's so literal. It's so great. Yeah, that, that's pretty much all you do. You pretty much find hurdles yeah. that you can't overcome. You go back, you find these power-ups that you overcome those hurdles later, which and then you encounter more hurdles. So yeah, I mean. It, it's fun, and it's um. It's the thing is that that kind of in a nutshell to me, that, that's basically every Metroid. I mean, Metroid Prime just take the doors and put them in front of you in a three D perspective yeah. instead of to the left wait, or wait, right. Wait. I think that transition was so great. Like it still feels like a complete Metroid, but it's still but it's its own it, thing. It's first person. Yeah, that was right? such a, they did such an amazing it, it, job. Yeah. I'm really excited to see what Retro has at E3 because I mean they knocked it out of the park with Metroid, and again with Donkey Kong Country Returns. Although the three DS port was handled by Monster Games makers. The excellent yeah. Excite Bikes and Excite Bots. I mean, the only I mean, Excite thing, Truck and Excite Bots. The only but, thing yeah. about this one that I do have to like tell people because mm-hmm. if you've never played it before is read the manual and look at the controls because and change the controls. Because if you're one of those people that just wants to jump into a game, like okay, I know how to play a game, like like I know how to play this game, I'll just figure it out. Metroid has like has a lot has more control than you would imagine. Like you, yeah, you press select to change which kind of sub weapon you want to use. Yeah. You. You hold the B button to run, even though Samus by herself runs at a pretty fast pace, and you never expect to use the B button. And you, yeah. they do make you use it later. And not only that, but um, I feel for this game, the L and R buttons are positioned a little too high up for my choice, for my preference. Mm-hmm. I'd rather just use ZR and ZL for everything, mm-hmm. especially for Super Nintendo League, where your only option is one trigger button. So I would suggest... Mapping them down there because I don't know. Right. If the finger plays, it feels more natural. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
Yeah. Yeah, so, so that's pretty much all I have to say. I mean, it's 30 cents. You have no reason it's not, to Yeah, buy it's only 30 cents till right after E3, so act fast. Um, I guess a few things I can add it's a bite is... Now. I mean, honestly, I'm not very far yet. I've been crazy busy with, and like... And awesome. Yeah. That's all I was going to say. Well, that's what I was getting at. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not very far yet because I've been, like, like super busy, but... <laughs> yes, but a couple things I want to say is one, the atmosphere is amazing. I'm in, I'm so impressed. Like this is my first time playing Super Metroid. I uh, missed it on Super Nintendo. Never bought it on Virtual Console on Wii because I didn't really buy anything on Virtual Console on Wii. But um, mm. so now for thirty cents, can't go wrong, right? Right. So uh, so yeah, I uh, got it. I was really impressed with how cinematic it is. It's so cinematic. It's so atmospheric, which is crazy when you think about the fact that it's a 16-bit Super Nintendo. And the graphics game. just work for it. Too. The graphics really like it. It meshes super well. Everything just it's like. A really, like, deep sci-fi experience, but it's a 16-bit game. Like, when I think 16-bit games, like, like Mario World, or, like, you know, kind of, like, lighter fare, like that Donkey Kong Country, uh, even, like, Mario RPG, like, yeah, it has a big story, or Final Fantasy or Chrono Trigger, they have big stories, they could be same act, but they're still, you know, at their core, they still feel like, oh, it's a Super Nintendo game, look at that. But Metroid, mm-hmm. like, transcends that somehow. Like, Super Metroid really, like, I can see why people say it's the best one, because it really introduced a lot of like what made Metroid Fusion what it was, or Metroid Zero Mission what it was, because it combined Super Metroid with oh, the original Metroid. Games. Yeah, and Metroid Prime just spun it in 3D and changed things a little. But, um, but I can really see why this is like the definitive one, and why, like, I'm just really blown away by like the vibe, Metroid, the vibe of it. Metroid. Yeah, just the whole vibe of it is just like really impressive. Yeah. So. Oh, other little warning. Um, if you're gonna play this game, make sure you're playing it pretty often. This is one of those games that if you are not playing it for like if you stop playing it for like about a month or more, you're totally lost. You get yeah. I bought this game originally on the Wii Virtual Console mm-hmm. like many years ago, around the time it came out, which was like before Metroid Prime Three came out. Yeah, and I got maybe like two hours into the game. I was and then I went to college and just put the <laughs> Wii there. And yeah. By the time I came back, I had no idea where I was or what I was doing, and I just couldn't play. Like I didn't want to restart it because I didn't want to start over. So. Yeah, and now, and now I'm trying not to make that same mistake. Right, yeah, because unlike Metroid Fusion, and I think Zero Mission did this too, it doesn't have, like, a catch-up thing when you come back to playing it. Yeah, like, yeah, Metroid Fusion Metroid had, like, the logs and everything. Yeah, and you, like, you had that computer Adam, and they told you, okay, your right. mission is to do this. Yeah, it's like, hey, remember what happened? Here's a refresher. Or, like, Metroid Other M literally had, like, here's what happened. Like, it yeah, catches like, you like, up, but this one does not. Th- yeah, like, there's no... They really For the ca- most part, there's no text in the game outside of, like, what power-ups you just received. It's really all about, like, having that whole isolated in-space feel, and it does yeah. it super well. But it means you also need to keep up to date with it and play it, or else you'll have no idea what is going on. I just realized that Metroid is the only space sci-fi thing I actually like. You don't like any other space sci-fi thing? I don't think I'm really into anything that's you, space you're not. You don't enjoy the Star Wars movies? No, you're gonna get no, destroyed no. if you say this on the podcast. Go ahead, finish your thought. You can say no. <laughs> they're they're films, and I am entertained by them throughout. But you're not a fan. I don't think I've ever finished one. Besides, you've never but, finished but, a Star Wars movie. Besides, um, okay, hold on, hold on. Besides, hold on. besides, besides, Phantom Menace and 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 Revenge of the Sith, the third one. What? <laughs> uh, okay, I hate to say this. But if we lose any listeners over this, I don't like losing listeners. I, I I appreciate every listener out there, and I'm glad they listen. But if we lose listeners over this, I'll understand. I will be okay with it. Like if people are like, I can't listen to this. There's a guy that who, who hasn't seen like I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan, but I've seen every movie in its entirety. Like it's just something you do. Like how do you not? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I, how how what, is what, this? What it was is that um how <laughs> what what it was, and I actually have an answer. Sure do. Um. My, a good answer, though. 
I, I was way more obsessed with early, with other things, like more so to the point where I didn't really pay much attention to anything else that wasn't that. You had tunnel vision, Ninja Turtle tunnel vision. Yeah, like 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 literally, if it wasn't Ninja, Ninja Turtle tunnel vision. or Nintendo or, or Transformers or some sort of Transformers was more ha, recent thing. Ha ha! Transformers is a sci-fi thing in space. You like? They're aliens. I don't know, no, no, but that's more recent. Uh, no, well, for you, but it's from the eighties. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, Beast Wars. Yeah, most of it was on Beast Earth. Wars. Most of it took place on Earth, but it's still sci-fi. No, I know, I know. That's why I said spacey sci-fi. All right, all right. I, I clearly said spacey you, sci-fi. I can't. And science fiction is more. So you've never seen episode four, five, or six in their entirety? No. Okay, listeners of the podcast, please send all angry tweets and or all angry thoughts. You have two ways of doing it. One, I never go said I didn't like him. Why does it matter if I didn't? Because you've never seen him, and yet you hear you are on a nerdy podcast without seeing Star Wars. Uh, okay, everyone who That's either anyone who lost. either thinks angry angry thoughts about Jose or wants to defend the fact that he somehow hasn't seen Star Wars, feel free to leave a comment on episode forty four. Platforming Paradise on the site, <laughs> or better yet, tweet him at Wero W E I R O underscore L or underscore O, not L, and yell at him. All caps, caps lock it. Go ahead, just let it out. Just be like blah 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 blah. You only like the parts with Jar Jar, don't you? You're you're what's wrong with the world, or you know whatever you want. And Jose, I will character. I will check in with Ho- oh god. <laughs> Honestly, when I was a little kid, I liked Jar Jar best because I liked annoying things, yeah, but. <laughs> But no, like, feel free to bash him, and then I'll report back. I'll tweet out but a photo like of I him said, crying in the fetal position when that moment occurs. But like I said, I only paid attention to I know, Turtles, I know, so I know. No, I mean, it's not that outlandish. I, I mean, it's I, just fun to make fun I, I've been more willing to watch it in recent times, but I don't know, I guess. Well, we're doing a marathon. It, it, it has to be the right environment. I mean, don't even get me started on, like, other kinds of movies. Well, we need to address this in the future. But yeah, uh, like I said, send those angry comments to him. I'll get a picture of him crying in the field position when it occurs, and we will post it online for the world to laugh at. Or, you know, you can defend him if you think it's necessary, or just don't say anything. I don't care. So that's Metroid. That's Metroid. Uh, you want to briefly touch on Mega Man X. Keep it kind of brief, since it's a little added thing. We're already at our two-hour mark, and we still have Tekken. Mega Man X, awesome platform shooter type platforming, cool controls. I'm trying to keep it brief. Um, very, um, I don't know. It's Mega Man, just better. <laughs> See, this, Mega Man is why I envision. Here, I'll help you. Mega Man. I played X on the Super Nintendo, not on the Wii U yet. But Mega Man, because we're talking about the uh, Wii U version. But Mega Man is why I think of when I think of Super Nintendo games. Like it's kind of you know it has a story, it has action, but it's kind of lighthearted ish compared to like Metroid. Like it doesn't have like a super serious vibe. It's just you're running and gunning and you're you know, collecting power-ups from, from bad guys you defeat and that sort of, like, bosses you defeat. Like, there's depth to it, but it's not like, you know what I mean? There's depth, but it's not like a cinematic experience, like Super Metroid felt like to me. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, this is more, like, when I think Super Nintendo game, I think Mario, I think this, Mega Man. I don't think Metroid. Yet Metroid somehow, def- like, defies that logic to me. That that was my point earlier. So I'm just saying Mega Man's more of the run-and-gun, happy-go-lucky, I'm shooting things and enjoying it and never watching stars in my life because I don't understand, because I'm not part of this world. Thing. Yeah, because Star Fox is like the most important. Star Wars. Star, Star wow, Wars. wow! You say Star Fox stars are the same. There's your problem. You <laughs> well, probably well, thought Jar Jar Binks was like well, Slippy Toad's cousin or well, something. Well, doesn't this explain like my semi <laughs> interest in Star Fox? It explains a lot. I mean, when was the last time you ever heard me talk about Star Trek or Battlestar Galactica or any of those? Other Dude, things? Battlestar Galactica is amazing. This new Star Trek it's, from Abrams is pretty good. Uh, it has a lot of plot holes, but I still enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I'm not even a big Star Wars fan. Like I watch them and enjoy them, but like the fact that I've seen them all at least. Okay. Let's get back on topic, because we have one more game to talk about. Uh, that was a fun segue. Um, Tekken Tag Tournament 2 Wii U Edition, you recently picked up, because it was on sale, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And you have some thoughts. Mm, yeah, definitely. This was a... Real quick, this was a launch title for the Wii U back in November, and then it just kind of disappeared off face of the earth. And now we're bringing it back to the face of the earth. 
by way of Jar Jar Binks lover over here. So go ahead. Wow. <laughs> I'm having fun with this. I'm sorry. Coming, coming from someone that said they're not that big on Star Wars, I'm kind of shocked. But Jar Jar, I liked him as a kid. Well, I never said I loved him. I said I didn't think it was that bad. Yeah, I didn't either. Fine, I retract that statement. Talk about Tekken. I mean, to a passionate fan, I could maybe... Fine, I retract that statement. Talk about Tekken. Wow. I'll just slink into my chair. Yeah, so so Tekken. (laughs) (laughs) Almost as good as your uh, Metroid description. I'm not good at starting. So Tekken's a fighting game. There you go. I helped you. (laughs) Okay, so Tekken came out, and I didn't really want to buy it in the beginning because... I don't know, I guess I was kind of waiting for a Capcom fighting game. And, and it never it, and, arrived. And it never arrived. So then I, yeah, so I just really wanted a fighting game, and Tekken came out on sale, and I don't know, the sale was really what pushed me over. And so I the don't, game itself. Yeah, I don't regret <laughs> anything about it. It's definitely way more lighthearted than I was. I kind of expected a serious fighting game where the characters can't take this so seriously. That's what I thought, too, until I saw the giant panda and all the Mario costumes. But, it, but yeah, it's so over-the-top funny sometimes, and just goofy and yeah it's it's, it's really it's really it's enjoyable super, it's super japanese in humor yeah it's very it, yeah it's very enjoyable very, very enjoyable and but um but the game also kind of like monster is really hard to get into like you could it's a game that doesn't really demo well in the sense that you i remember playing it for the first time um or playing a tekken just on the mm-hmm. demo kiosk on tv and just trying to play it and it just felt sluggish. It, the controls didn't really work the way right, I thought they were. Right. I was trying, and then I tried playing it like a Capcom fighter because every Capcom fighter plays almost identical. But this is totally different. Yeah, it's just so weird. And well, what's yeah. the main difference? Like Capcom's all about like stick movement with button press, right? So like, what's this one's? How, what defines how its fighting is done? Is it like combo? Like you know, Capcom's like you move a stick and press a few buttons and you do something. How's this one? What's this well, one's well, it's kind mechanism? of all fighters. Like the thing about like. I guess Street Fighter or any of those Capcom games is that I think their inputs are a little more simplistic and mm-hmm. I think the 2D plane is kind of what really makes it a big deal. Oh, and also... Right, because Tekken's in 3D. Like, you can move around each other, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah like Dead or Alive or Virtual yeah, Fighter. And, and, or... and that game um, has a way bigger... Tekken has a way bigger emphasis on juggling your characters mm-hmm. or juggling your opponent's characters. Like mid-air attacks and stuff? Yeah, like combos, like, in core Street Fighting games, combos are pretty short, like... Contrary to what most people would think, maybe mm-hmm. like three or four hits. But mm-hmm. this one, you could go up to like ten hits or even more, and it, it's almost like Marvel vs. Capcom in the sense. But that game is right. steroids. That makes sense. But seeing, but as hard as it is to get into, they do have a really good tutorial mode where it has its own story mode, which I thought was very the tutorial has a story. Yeah, I thought it was uh, you know, kind of cool. You play as a robot called Combot that was designed by this ultra rich person, and basically. The first one explodes, so he's reteaching you how to fight, and you go through all these dummies, and then he's like, oh no, um, I, the campus, some campus is under attack, you must fight these Power Ranger looking people that throw pizza at you and shoot lasers, and they're wearing ridiculous costumes. Sounds about right. And, <laughs> and they all come in different like, ways, one is like really overweight, one is like super skinny, and then, yeah. I don't know, you, just, you, you fight them all, and then later, like, okay, like, no, now let's, now let's teach you how to do counterattacks, and, like, the, the writing is tongue-in-cheek and everything, and then you even fight, like... And like, oh no, these opponents are coming in. Like, oh, they look familiar. And it's clearly like an overweight Ryu from Street Fighter. <laughs> and then nice. you beat him up. And then you fight like this really overweight um, Ken from Street Fighter. Mm-hmm. And some guy that's clearly supposed to be a Kuma. Like. Right, right. So, I don't know. And it's silly. And then the customization just makes the costumes even more ridiculous. You can have... A, the Nintendo stuff is cool. Yeah, you, can have, you can have like a character with like parachute pants, clown shoes, 
Um, a George Washington-esque wig, like one of those old right, like, white the wigs. the powdered wig. Yeah, yeah, the powdered wig, a pink powdered wig, and then have naturally like, pink, and a, and a miniature golfer spinning around like a little propeller on your head. That makes no reason to. I don't know. Wow. And I thought like they looked fine in Mario hats. Like no oh, matter that. And the, the Nintendo costume is just like the icing on the cake. It, yeah. It just and those were Wii U exclusive. Yeah. So like I mean you have, I think the character roster is also what made it really interesting or more really appealing to me before, like just watching yeah. like these like yeah, I mean yeah. you have panda bears, you have normal bears, you have robots, you have um, raptors. Like mm-hmm. one of the characters is a raptor, and, he, and with the Bowser costume, he looks like he almost looks like something from the Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> Speaking of which, well, we'll get to that. <laughs> And then, I mean, then you have kangaroos. I mean, it's all over yeah. the place. But, I don't know, it's really fun. But it's also, it's one of those games that you have to play if you really, really like fighting games or really like learning a new system. Mm-hmm. And as much as I've been waiting for a Capcom fighting game, I also did want to try a new fighting game system, which is also kind of why I didn't really get Injustice. Right. I mean, besides the price and not, I mean, I like DC, but not enough mm-hmm. to really get mm-hmm. it. Like, it was just nice trying something new because all Capcom games, even though they have, like, Dark Soccer, they have... Street Fighter, they have their Marvel series, they all have a sameness to them. And this right. is totally new and totally different. And yeah, it's really fun. Really fun. Really recommend it. Really how, good. Graphics. How much did you get it for? 39 for 40. And is that. That's like the new is game. that a permanent price drop? Or was yeah, that just, it's, it's permanent. So basically, a lot of, a it, lot of, so Wii, it's worth a lot of Wii U games got a permanent price right, drop. Right, at GameStop, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's pretty fun. Reversible cool. covers, cinematic, sound. Off TV play. The one weird. Does it thing have off TV play? Yeah, it has off TV play. Weird thing is that outside of the main menu, you can't press the home button whatsoever, like at all. Yeah, I the two minutes I saw you playing it, I noticed that. Cause like my like my first instinct was to go to Miiverse while I was playing, and I couldn't. So it doesn't even have Miiverse support, really. Like you can't even share a photo. Yeah, that's a missed opportunity. They should have updated that with a patch. But I yeah. guess I'm guessing Namco has no interest in updating it with any patches because I'm guessing it didn't sell all that well. And I, just, and I just realized why um, the game manual didn't appear. Because the game manual for the digital manual would appear while you're playing the game, but since I can only put the home button. While you're not in yeah. the game, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Which led to a lot of, like, where do I find this, where do I find that? But right. Don't they it, have all the moves? Like, what's on the what's on the gamepad touchscreen when you're fighting on the TV? Like, when you're not doing off-TV play? Don't they have, like, a move list or something? Yeah, it has, it has like, like, a few kinda moves. Kind of like how Dead or Alive did on the 3DS? Yeah, it's pretty much that. So you could just, right. like... You could, I guess that's how you could select. Learn. You could select button. I mean, you could select moves to put on right. there, and I, also it's like a mix of how Street Fighter 3D. Did yeah, and you could touch them to activate them, or if you have it set this way, you could hold the ZR button, mm-hmm. and then your face buttons turn into those touchscreen buttons. Huh. So I played one online match, and I realized I shouldn't have played because I didn't know how to play yet. So right. I ended up spamming one move that was really overpowered, and I ended up winning against some person that. Definitely knew how to play. They had really crazy combos and skills, but <laughs> I felt kind of bad just because like they had like one thousand something wins yeah. and like twenty, like two hundred. And you just losses. won by chance, basically. Yeah, and this is like my first time playing. I'm like, wow, like I did not deserve that win whatsoever. Yeah. Oh, one thing that I think is really really cool mm-hmm. about one character in particular, the combat. Um, even Can though you he play as him at any point. Yeah, that's like he's a he's a playable character. Okay. Yeah. But what makes him really interesting is that you could customize his entire moveset. With all the other characters, moves? yeah, yeah, because he's essentially uh, that's cool. Because like when you're learning to play as some his moves are pulled from different characters. So he's your custom character. Yeah, so basically, basically you could make any character and then any character moves that you want. Outfit, so he yeah. looks like other characters. And, and his de- like every character has like a default Nintendo costume. Like obviously the dinosaur has Bowser. Right. Some other bigger characters have the Bowser one. The right. robot wears Ganondorf's cape and stuff. Mm-hmm. 
And you could also give them like an evil aura coming out of them, so he just looks pretty awesome. So I'm, <laughs> nice. so I'm definitely probably just going to stick with the dinosaur called Alex and Combop. And just make a really his name cool is one. Alex. Yeah, his name is Alex. Is he from the Lost World that Sonic's visiting? No, he... It's not Jurassic Park he, Sonic tie he, he wears boxing gloves. Oh. Yeah. I don't know what to say to that, except okay. Yeah. <laughs> so overall, yeah, you'd say it's worth the 40. Yeah. I mean, it sounds very cool. It sounds like there's a lot of right. stuff in and, it. And, I mean... It's... Well, how about the... Mar- have you tried the I mean, Nintendo... graphically, it looks really nice, too. Oh, I... yeah. Have you tried the Nintendo fighting modes? Like, don't they have modes with, like, Mega Mushrooms and Mini Mushrooms? Oh, yeah, and... yeah, yeah, yeah. I've tried them once. I mean, they're fun, but I haven't really got to play them with they're kind of person. They're probably kind of gimmicky, huh? Yeah. yeah. But, but also, I mean, that's the thing, too. Like, if I want to play with someone else... They probably won't have that much fun because the controls are that they really are that kind of hard. Right. The, that difficulty, that learning curve, is pretty high. It sounds like. Yeah. So it sounds like the curve is just a sheer drop. And yeah, you, you kind of have or to, a sheer climb, I guess. I yeah, they, say. you kind of have to devote like a few, like maybe half an hour to the game to really feel comfortable with the controls. Right. That's right. I said. It's kind of like Monster Hunter. Like when I first played it, I was kind of like uh, about it, but after like I don't know. I mean, I'm on hour one hundred something, and yet you didn't have time to watch any of the Star Wars. Hey. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, my, my passions lie with it. I know, I know, I know. I'm just kidding. I mean, I'm not even that big of a star, which makes it more, which makes it even weirder that I'm like harping on this so much. I know. But, I don't attack you for not. I don't know, knowing yeah. every Ninja Turtle theme song by heart. That's different, though. That's not quite as pop culturally significant. Yeah, but that's what I when Ninja Turtle, when Nickelodeon turned out, took over Ninja Turtles, it did not get the same press as when Disney bought Star Wars. Just to say. Anyway, uh, I think that pretty much wraps up. The episode. So Tekken's a yay. Tekken's a yay. Mega Man's a yay. Uh, Super Kong's Metroid's a, a yay. Donkey Kong's a yay if you never owned it. A nay if you did. Or a, well, if you want a double dip, go for it. That's yep. a that's a custom rating right there. Uh, so, okay, before we go, a couple things of note, primarily involving our E3 coverage. But before we even get to that, uh, the Mario movie, actually. Last week, we had the opportunity to attend a special 20th anniversary screening of the infamous 1993 Super Mario Brothers movie. And at that screening, Raksha is really cool because they had a panel, about half an hour panel, with four of the creators of the movie. And this includes the screen, one of the screenwriters, the production designer, who also was the art direction, art director of uh, Blade Runner, it turns out. that uh, I didn't really see it's all in the same. But, uh, and as well as some other people, they had a special effects guy, they had a makeup guy, and they were all there talking about the movie, discussing what went, the, as I've, put it on the site everything that went wrong and the few things that went right so it's a i i basically compiled took all their quotes put them into an article explaining what went wrong and what went right so if you're curious about that it's a pretty fascinating read i don't just mean like i wrote it it's fascinating i mean like literally what they said is really interesting so go check it out you can find it on the site uh it's extra the tales of the super mario brothers movie it's right on the homepage, right to the right of this episode episode 44 so go check that out i highly recommend it not so much because I wrote it, but just what they said. Like, it's mostly their quotes with me just kind of linking them together. So, definitely worth a read. Once again, also, while you're there, be sure to check out our other extra this past week, which was Conquering the LA Zoo. And that's just that's just us warming up. We have a ton in store for E3. So, as you may know, our next, ep- our next scheduled, regularly scheduled episode would be after E3 in two weeks. But, because it's E3 time, we're doing, we're going a little bit above and beyond. So, this coming weekend, the weekend of the, um... 9th or 10th, I guess. 8th or 9th. That weekend. That uh, We will be going down to the convention center and scoping it out. We did it last year. We got some cool pictures of the stuff as it's being set up. The banners, the posters, the 
games that you may not know about yet. All that, we're going to be go, going down there again, taking some pictures, we'll put them together in an extra you can expect that weekend. Then, on Tuesday, June 11th, is Nintendo's big hour-long Nintendo Direct, followed that evening at 6pm Pacific Time by a 90-minute Pokemon X and Y roundtable with both the president and CEO of the Pokemon Company and the director of Game Freak, along with some of the developers, presumably. So, all of that is happening that day, which means a lot of news to cover, and we're going to cover it in a special bonus episode of the Roundtown Podcast, much like we did last year. It will be going up uh, overnight between that Tuesday, June 11th, so you can expect it on the site the Wednesday of... The, the, the morning of Wednesday, June 12th, so stay tuned for that episode on June 12th. Be sure not to miss it. Uh, we'll tweet it out. We'll have it on iTunes. So subscribe to iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Ram Town so you stay on board. Then the next day, on the 13th, we're going to have our coverage of the Best Buy event that we mentioned earlier, the Nintendo Experience at Best Buy. So on June 13th, check back to the site again where we'll have photos and, and uh, details of what Nintendo had in store at Best Buy, which games were playable, what it looked like, what the Luigi loot was, all of that. And then, as if that wasn't enough, that Sunday... On the 16th of June, we will have our regularly scheduled episode where we will have all our impressions from um, the Best Buy event, the four games that were playable, plus our thoughts on all the three news that happened since the Nintendo, since that Tuesday night. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, there will be more news. There'll be third-party news. There'll be uh, you know things that come out in interviews. There's going to be a lot of stuff, so we'll be covering it with our impressions of those games that Sunday. So basically, in the next, starting next weekend, it's nonstop. Check Ram Nintendo all the time. Easiest way to do it, like I said, follow us on Twitter at Ram Nintendo. We will be tweeting everything as it happens. You can also, we'll also be tweeting our own thoughts of the Nintendo Direct, um, possibly as it unfolds. I don't know if we'll be up at 7 in the morning. He will, I don't know if I will. But um, yeah, so follow me at JSR7. Follow Jose at Wero, W E I R underscore O, which is also where you can send your Star Wars angry fan mail. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, do that. You can also follow us on Meverse if you want to see what we're up to on there, what we're commenting on on there. Who knows? Maybe there'll be demos on the eShop and we'll be sharing impressions and screenshots on there. Either way, I'm Jason R. He's Wero again. Um, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes so you don't accidentally miss that bonus E3 episode because there's going to be a lot of news. An hour of a Nintendo Direct, we're going to be talking Smash Bros, Mario Kart, Mario. I'm sounding like I'm doing a sales pitch because I am. <laughs> But point being, you don't want to miss any of it. So with that said, uh, we will see you the week of E3 on Wednesday, June 12th, and until then, check the site for extras, check out Conquering the Ali Zoo, check out the Tales of the Super Mario Bros. movie, and, you know, just enjoy the onslaught of news that's about to happen. We'll see you on June 12th. Sure.